0: What up, Drinking Buddies? Before we get into the episode this week, just a quick word from our sponsors. As always, we're brought to you by Laughable, the number one podcast app on iOS coming soon to Android. Not only can you subscribe to your favorite artists, your favorite shows, you can now buy tickets to comedy shows through the app. Laughable's great. They provide recommendations for shows you should check out, for artists you should check out. Download it today. Just put in laughable in the search engine. It'll be the first thing that comes up. Also, we are brought to you by Demonseed Radio Network.com. You can hear this show every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. In addition to us, there's a bunch of other awesome shows on Demonseed Radio Network.com. So check it out. So you're probably wondering what's going on this week? This isn't a typical show. So I was at LA Pod Fest all weekend last couple weekends ago and I sat down with a bunch of different people we kind of crammed it all together turned it into an episode first and foremost sat down with Bert the motherfucking machine Kreischer sadly Bert's sober this month so no drinking with Bert but we're gonna do it again we're gonna do it drunk we're gonna do it right but it was still super awesome to sit down with Bert he told a previously untold drinking story then I sat down with Barry Katz Burt's former manager, Dave Chappelle's former manager, Dan Cook's former manager. This guy has managed the who's who in comedy. Had a nice long conversation. He might have grilled me a little bit, turned the screws to me a little bit. Just good shit. Then I sat down with Hal Sparks from Queerest Folk, The Soup. Hal talks about his life in comedy, life on the road. Then I sat down with Murray Valeriano from the Road Stories podcast. Murray's a comic, hosts a podcast called Road Stories where other comics come on and tell their stories from the road. Murray's a huge music fan So we kind of both geeked out on music And drinking and just telling stories It was a really good time We're going to also sit down with Murray at some point And do a long form It'll be good times Last but not least Sat down with Sam Levine You may know Sam from Inglorious Bastards Not another teen movie Freaks and Geeks He's been in fucking everything Sam told a really fun drinking story From years ago in Canada Where he may have been busted for Doing some underage shit it's a really fun story pop a cold one and enjoy the show guys going on everybody night one of la pod i'm sitting here with the machine burt kreischer <laughs> the machine the machine <laughs> so i didn't get to tell you this before we got on air shoot you were like the get that we wanted for the fucking show for real for real fuck yeah and i want to do it again because the show is called and now we drink
1: oh uh, we got to do it again yeah for sure i gotta be honest with you like i don't know what's going on with my drinking because i feel so fucking comfortable right now like and i don't normally feel like this normally i'm like i need a cocktail like I want to go to the, let's go to the bar but I don't know I've I've had really enjoyed this uh this sobriety for it's only what's today July 5th or July September, yeah it's, what, July. No, wait, what, it's October 5th October 5th yeah yeah I've only done it for like 6 days but I'm so happy so I'm I like I'm I'm looking forward to my first drink cuz it's going to be in New Orleans on Halloween night with Ari Shafir, Big Jay Okerson, Sal Volcano, uh Tony Hinchcliffe, uh, Sarah Tiana uh, Jame- not Jamaica. Uh, uh, I'm fucking, my brain's fried, but it's, it's late. I'm it's really cool. excited. I'm really excited for my first drink, but I'm not really, uh, I think Ralphie's funeral is going to be hard to go to sober. Yeah. That's going to be hard to go to.
0: I was fucking proud that you were able to keep it together today. Yeah. You know, everything's fucking going on. Let's.
1: It was a rough day, but, uh, but you know, it's not as like I've had friends that died immediately you didn't expect to die, and that catches you off guard. No, I'm not saying everyone expected Ralph's to die, but it it wasn't as big of a shock as... Still a shock. A lot more of a shock than I thought it would be. Why am I talking about this again? Yeah. But yeah, but that funeral is going to be tough to go to sober. And Joey Diaz called me today and he was like, dog, do mushrooms count on this sober thing? I was like, yeah, they definitely count. (laughs) (laughs) Because me and him are going to go hit up clubs and he's like, let's eat mushrooms and do spots tomorrow. (laughs) That'd be fucking amazing, though. Uh, It would be really fucking fun. But yeah. Oh, so, yeah, next time we got to do it, drink in and have a cigar. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. What we can do is we'll find a cigar bar that serves alcohol and we'll just meet up there and do like a nice cigar and cocktail.
0: Awesome. Well, normally I, I do have a co host, uh, Miss Annie Cruz. She's a former porn star.
1: Oh, I have a soft part, a soft spot in my heart for porn stars. It shouldn't be soft, sir. <laughs> I love porn stars. I think there's a connection between porn stars and comics. Like, I feel like we both are in the same industry. We're both up late at night. We all go to the same yoga classes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally.
2: Uh,
0: I wanted her to be here tonight, but she's getting back from Disney tonight, so she won't be here tonight. What was tomorrow. she doing at
1: Disney? Going to Disney? I never, I'm always really shocked when adults go to Disney. We knew these couples. Actually, the guy, um, Roy Choi, who started the taco truck craze, uh, Kogi Taco, you familiar with that? Yeah. He uh, had season passes to Disney, and they would go like five times a month. You would be amazed how many porn girls are so into Disney. Right, I'm looking her up right now. Annie Cruz? Yes. I like that name already. Is she Cuban?
0: She is Filipino, actually. Really? Yeah.
1: I didn't know Brent Weinbach was Filipino. I did not see that coming. Wow, well, she came <laughs> up right away. Annie Cruz X. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking for. Oh, she's got a MySpace profile. She's a uh, been doing porn for a while, huh? She's actually retired now. Oh, that's why the MySpace. She's beautiful people like
0: her yeah
1: my buddy one time was like i'd do porn if they didn't show my face i go yeah grimes we all would (laughs) yeah you mean just fuck checks and no one knew it was you yeah i do that too
0: the job's a lot harder than that you got to get it up keep it up with a sound guy leaning over you like this sweating on you
1: uh yeah i haven't even really been in a threesome so i don't know if i could do a porn with like eight people watching and being and then and i'm so fast during sex i'm like real rapid fire yeah i can't
0: do that either you got to be able to get it up, keep it up, stop and go. Yeah, because they got to reset positions, shit. Like stop that. and
1: go. Yep. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just—I'm already out.
0: It's a much harder job than it lets on.
1: Yeah. I was one time there was this girl, this porn star that was on our TV show, and uh, Gary Valentine was on the TV show, and Gary Valentine's brother is Kevin James, and uh, my buddy Weecho was flying in for the weekend. So I, I interviewed this girl, and she's like, uh, and I was like, that's so fascinating. Porn's really interesting to me. She was like, well, you should come to uh, the set one time and watch me work. And I was like, I would fucking love that. She's like, I'm shooting Saturday. And I was like, um, I go, hey, my buddy Weecho's coming in. Saturday Saturday's okay if I bring a friend? She's like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and so I was like, wow. And so I'm walking with her to my green room because I'm going to get her info. And in the green room is gary and kevin and i go hey guys you guys want to go see a porn this week and they're like what i go she's doing a porn you guys want to go watch and she really flip, like really sternly goes hey i'm fucking strangers i'm not knitting a sweater let's not invite everybody okay and i was like oh yeah i did just i was inviting everyone to go watch her <laughs> Do you ever hear the story Do you ever hear the story about uh trey parker and matt stone uh so Trey Parker and Matt Stone have that video kill Santa Claus or whatever. Jesus killed kill Santa Claus. And then it goes viral inside Hollywood. George Clooney sends it to everyone and they get a they score this big movie deal to do um something retardo or some some the basketball retardo game. Oh, uh basketball. No, maybe it was the no. Orgasmo. orgasmo yeah. yeah, orgasmo. So um so uh, I'm going to fuck this story up, but so Evan Stone is there, and Evan Stone, they have a big party, and it's going to be like a, a porn party to all about orgasmo. And Trey Parker, the blonde one, the one that looks like Jeff Bridges or whatever, he goes, uh, he says to Evan Stone, he goes, hey, do me a favor. Introduce yourself as Trey Parker to everyone. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> okay. And he goes, and I'm going to introduce myself as Evan Stone. So he goes around the party, and to everyone in the party says, Hey, how you doing? I'm Trey Parker. And like, oh, my God. We love your video. like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so in the middle of the party, the porn thing starts, and then he jumps in and starts railing this girl, and they're like, oh, my God, this Trey Parker's fucking this girl in front of everybody.
0: <laughs> i would heard that story before. I didn't realize it was fucking Evan. Holy shit.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it was. I might be fucking it up, but I think it was. That guy is a gorgeous man. Uh, not the brightest dude in the world. A gorgeous man.
0: Believe it or not, he is crazily conservative.
1: Really? Yeah. Um, We're friends on Facebook. I get to watch his, like, GOP rants daily. Oh. Him and uh, Tommy Gunn. Do you remember Tommy Gunn? I know Tommy. The the, the porn star. Yeah, I worked for Tommy. Yeah, and I said to Tommy Gunn, I did an interview with Tommy Gunn, and I go, hey, man, um, I got to ask you, why did you pick a porn star name of a guy who has AIDS? And he was like, what? I go, Tommy Gunn from Rocky is the character that was the first Tommy Gunn, and then you got... Picked his name, but the guy is clearly he's got AIDS. His name's Tommy Morrison. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, never mind. <laughs> he's, yeah, I, there's, a, I, there's some porn stars I really like right now that are all DJs. Who? This girl, Jesse Andrews.
0: I know Jesse Andrews,
1: yeah. Dude, Jesse Andrews is beautiful and cool. Like, I, she's cool. She's so much younger than me. I have no interest in her in that way. I, honestly, she looks like one of my kids' friends. She looks, she's got a very young look, so it's like kind of weird, but I, follow her on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, she's DJing an Abiva. Or whatever <laughs> however you say it. But yeah. Anyone I'm else? sorry, I haven't allowed you to, oh, uh, um... Who? No, Sasha Gray. Sasha's retired. Sasha Gray... Sasha was doing, like, book tours and shit. So I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I met Sasha Gray. I don't know where I met her. I met Sasha Gray, and I was like... I was like, I think, it's very cool what she did that she got, she just kind of flipped it. Um, yeah, she did the crossover. Yeah, there was, I, I was really into porn for a, like, I am still am, but, like, I was into porn, like, and then I knew the, because we used to do this thing called Vivid Comedy Night, where the vivid entertainers would show up, and then we'd do comedy with them. Uh, Savannah Sampson was a really interesting person. Have you ever seen that? Right, yeah, I'll tell you who I'm really into right now is Rocco Sofretti's. Did you see the documentary on Rocco Sofretti's? Uh I have it on my phone. And I started watching it on a plane, and the opening shot is water running off his cock. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cannot watch this on a plane? No, no, not at all. <clears throat> but he is he is so diabolical in the way he fucks. Oh, yeah. Like, he is not, I don't know if it's sex. I don't know if it's, I feel like it's, I feel like with what people connect with in that is almost like, like, did you ever see One Night in Paris with Savannah Sampson? Was that what it's called? No, I don't think. One night in Paris was the Paris Hilton. Sun one State. night, one night in. What's the Savannah Sampson? Hey Siri, what movies did Savannah Sampson do?
0: Uh, I can't wait for my listeners to get that pop up on their phone. Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry, I don't deal with sluts, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> um, Savannah Sampson did a movie with Rocco's Freddy. So this is, by the way, this is one of the most engaging porns I've ever seen in my life. And I say that meaning like I didn't, I didn't even masturbate. I just watched it. So. Savannah Sampson's on Howard Stern. She's a a dancer at Scores. And she says, Rocco Sofredi's is my, I'm married, I have kids, but my husband said, I'm allowed to fuck Rocco Sofredi's, and that's the one guy I want to fuck. And Howard Stern goes, I can set that up. I know Rocco. So he sets it up, Rocco Sofredi says, fly her over to Paris. We'll have sex, and we'll film it, and it'll be a porn, and we'll all pay her. And so they're like, great. So she flies over to Paris. It's Rocco and another girl. The other girl is almost like the girl that's like, uh, like, you don't know what you got in for, kid. I'm here to help clean up messes. Like, almost like I'm the fixer. So it's Rocco and Savannah. And I all I will tell you is the first 10 minutes is just an oral scene. And at the end of the 10 minutes, I am swallowing aggressively. <laughs> I am breathing hard. I'm sweating. My hands are sweating like we were watching those Russian kids jump off top of buildings. I'm sweating. And he goes, do you want to keep going? And you can see in her eyes... She goes, we haven't even really started yet. And it, <laughs> it is so aggressive that I am like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, I don't know if I can watch the rest of it. And I finished it. But of course you did. Yeah. But it was, man, he is, uh, he does stuff where you're like, I don't get, I don't, like, I definitely couldn't do that to my wife. No. Put her head in a toilet. Like. I do have a friend who gets off on that. I don't. Yeah. Specifically
0: that she refers to herself as a toilet baby. Whoa. Whoa. Charlotte Sartre. You
1: should look her up. Charlotte? Sartre. Sartre. I will. I'll look her up tonight. My family's camping. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry I keep railroading your interview. No, no not at yeah. all. This is yeah. amazing. Oh,
0: no, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to ask you a bunch of porn
1: questions, but hey, this happens. Yeah. Yeah. What questions did you mean to ask me?
0: Well, I did want to ask you about, you know. Bert's favorite drinking story, but this is more entertaining shit. Well, I
1: mean, I think my famous ones are, are the ones I tell on stage. Yeah, but
0: you've got to have other ones that you don't tell on stage.
1: No, they're not. They're, I mean, just they all end up with uh, the same outcome, you know. I don't know. I, I, we, I, we did a fear and load. And there was a building that burned down. Um, there was a building that burned down, a bar that burned down. I think the name of the bar was like uh, Bullwinkle's or something in, in Tallahassee. And me and my buddies went and uh, went there one night, and went and got all the alcohol that didn't explode, and so all the bottles, all the labels were burned off, so you didn't really know what you're drinking. But we had a trunk full of all this burned out alcohol. So
0: you're like clear or brown. Uh. So we
1: fill up my Jetta with all this alcohol, and we're like, well, we should go do something. And my buddy Mike Osborne goes, let's go on a fear and loathing tour. Let's go and just get fucking lost. Like, let's just drive and get lost. So, me, Mike Osborne, Clint Munn, um, and Ben Seberg get, I think that's it. I think that was all of it. We get in the back of my Jetta and we just start driving. We all get, get in my Jetta and we just start driving. And I'm, I, I, oddly enough, I was never really a big drinker until I went to Russia. But I, I, we start driving and I drive, I don't drink. And we just drive and drive and drive through the night. And we end up in some small town. And uh, we're like, great, let's stay here and party here for the day. And then we dr- the next day we drive for the whole fucking night, a whole day, overnight, and we go to another town. And we end up meeting this band called Charlie's on Acid. And they're like, yo, you should party with us. We're in, uh, in Blacksburg, Virginia, or wherever West Virginia, wherever that school in West Virginia is. Um, and they're like, yo, you should party with us. So we end up partying with these guys and get in a hotel room. Middle of the night or what I believe is the middle of the night, we get a big knock on the door. Please, please are here, police. So I open the door. And like I said, I wasn't a huge younger, but I probably got drunk that night. And they're like, tell him not to jump. And we're like, what? And they're like, tell him not to jump. And we're like, okay. And then they go, there's a man on your balcony about to jump. And we look, and there's no balcony. We go, it's not our room. They go, no, it's your room. There's a man on your balcony about to jump. They open our window. It's our buddy Ben Seberg passed out on the ledge of the fucking of the building with a bottle in one hand dangling, sound asleep. And the <laughs> cop pulls his gun out with one hand and grabs his belt buckle, puts his gun in his face, he goes, boy, wake up. And Ben wakes up, sees the gun, he goes, you ain't jumping. Are you taking me with you? And I'm killing you before you hit the ground. And Ben's like, uh... I just passed out here. And he goes, get up slowly. This is back in the day when you could get away with shit. And he gets, Ben Seberg gets up slowly, climbs back into the window, and the cop goes, what the fuck do we have going on here? All he sees is bottles with all the labels burned off. This band sleep on the floor. Clint Munn, me, Mike Osborne. This is, you could smoke in hotel room. Smoke's filled the room. And he's just like, he's like, you boys need to get back wherever the fuck you're from. And we got in the car and we drove straight back to Tallahassee from West Virginia. (laughs) Shit! Yeah, that was a good story. I didn't. I didn't really have anything to do with it, but yeah, still good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, listen. I'm gonna head downstairs and go have a have a fucking conversation or something. Definitely. But I appreciate you having me on. Well, let's do this when I'm yeah. drinking. Hell yes. Can we? Fuck yes. Awesome. You got my info.
0: We'll exchange I'll it. I'll give you my phone number. Is
1: three two three. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Let's not do that. On yeah. <laughs> my, don't make me clean that up in postcards. Yeah. <laughs> I don't clean up shit in post.
0: <laughs> I know. I. Tweet at you about it Yeah
1: I'm like <laughs> fuck it If you say it it's on there
0: uh, Unfortunately we've had some guests get way drunk And say some shit that their publicists were like No that can't go
1: out Yeah 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 I do that on my podcast I had Nate, Nick Thune on and Nick Thune just started trashing uh, Club owners And I was, like, I was like Nick I go you want me to take any of this out He's like fuck it it's how I feel I was like alright
0: Yeah I had a bassist from a fairly prevalent metal band Be like so where's your favorite place to come on a girl that all had to fucking go. Really?
1: Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck the publicists. <laughs> all right. We'll all right. do this to be continued.
0: To be continued.
1: We'll do it at a cigar bar, cocktails, and do it proper.
0: Fuck yes. Fuck In yes.
1: November or later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to have to be in later November. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Bert, thank you. So, to continue on with LA Podcast Night 1... We got Barry Cats, Managers of the Stars.
3: All right, I made the cut. Hey, happy to have you. I'm great. It's just so great to be here. You have such a, a great way about you and a great voice. Why, thank you, sir. Thank
0: you. Flattery will get you everywhere, I've been told.
3: And you got the, your drink in your hand, which is good. I got my water in my hand. Shh, we shouldn't tell the audience. I'm Not sorry. Sorry. I'm, I, I, there's vodka in here.
0: Barry Cats. High-class manager sneaking vodka into a pod fest in <laughs> an avion bottle. Classy bottle and vodka. <laughs> Way to go. So, since we're doing short form tonight, Barry,
3: do you drink? I have an occasional uh, drink once in a while. You know what's weird is I don't uh, drink in front of my kids uh, who are 12 and 13. and I People always don't understand that, and I always... Say, you know, if I drink in front of them, something can happen. Bad can happen. But if I don't drink in front of them, I know nothing bad can happen. So when I drink, something may not happen. It might be fine, but I just don't do it. I don't. I want them to know that. And maybe this is bad for this podcast. I don't know. You'll you'll probably hang up this uh, microphone violently. But for for me, I just feel like um, as odd as it sounds with this podcast being the name that it is, I just feel like there's no good that can come from alcohol. And I love having a drink here and there. I'm not saying that, but if you are blessed with the gene that makes you feel powerless, it's just, uh, I've seen too many people get taken. And I've seen too many people lost, and their gateway was alcohol.
0: It can definitely swallow people whole if you're not careful. It, it definitely happens as I take another drink.
3: Because when you think about it, if you really think about it for your audience, let's just analyze this for a second. And I'm just channeling this through me. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have anything planned here with this, but certainly not. But when you think about it. What's the purpose when you drink? In my mind, the purpose is uh, I want something to help me feel more at ease, more comfortable, more adaptable to my surroundings. And I want something that's going to help me ease the pain of the things in my life that have taken their toll on me. And and those are the reasons why I think most people drink. And they might say, well, I drink socially. Well, yeah, it helps the social environment side. I regularly refer to it as social lubricant.
0: But to all the reasons you listed, I'll drink to that. There you go. It helps with all those things. And it's truly the only socially acceptable drug in American society, world society. Tobacco even has a stigma. But no one's going to blink if you have a glass of red wine at dinner.
3: No, I think you're right. Sometimes I'll take meetings with um, executives or producers, directors, showrunners, and what blows me away, it'll be like lunchtime, and they'll order a drink. Um, I've gone to breakfast meetings where people have ordered a drink, and I think that sometimes... It's always a red flag. One time I was doing a a show. I was an executive producer on a show, which shall remain nameless. And it was a show that was on its second year. And what happens at a show for your audience here during the show, there's television monitor set up where the director is, and there's these directors' chairs and producers and directors, and everybody will sit there. And the showrunner was sitting in one of the front seats next to the director. And the showrunner for your audience, if they don't know, is the person who executive produces the show, may actually write the show, and actually runs the whole show, fires, hires, has people under them. And, and I know that I wasn't supposed to do this, but I was sitting in the director's chair and I was just leaning over in the 90-degree counseling position and you know how sometimes you know, at a concert or something you lean over and your head just happens to be closer to the person's shoulder and you can see what they're doing and they were texting. And as they were texting, I saw that they were texting their assistant. And the text said, Bring me a coffee cup three quarters full with red wine and put a lid on it and bring it to me right now.
0: That seems like an odd choice for a morning beverage, like if you're gonna drink that hard in the morning in a coffee cup, at least go vodka
3: well maybe I don't know why they did it that way, but
0: like red wine like it, it doesn't feel like it has enough <laughs> impact at
3: that point, but that was a red flag to me and that oh it should be and that and that and that showrunner uh, was not on the show the following year um, so but it is an honor to be here, and it's weird that I'm talking seriously like this. Normally, I like on my podcast, I, I have a little mixture of everything, and oh, uh, that normally and so, so I we, so, so I hope I I hope I didn't uh, uh, go too horribly on. No, not at all, not at all. Normally,
0: we're we're pretty lighthearted, but hey, we can go anywhere. Like, you know, I'm a three dimensional human being. I have serious moments, comical moments. I can go either way.
3: Tell me something that 's happened to you since i don 't really know you what 's happened to you on your podcast that is something that really blew you away and you didn 't expect it and it just happened and uh, and it was one of the moments that you 're really happy about on the podcast
0: well, it's probably a highly unprofessional moment, but we did have a guest who got a little lit
3: because we do drink on this show
0: who decided to Put her breasts in my face and then decide to blow me.
3: The minute we hit cut. Uh, did you go up to your room or was it right there in the uh, in the podcast studio? Uh,
0: about five feet away from the podcast
3: studio. And what was your co-host doing?
0: Texting. She's just like, okay, yeah, that's happening.
3: Now what's odd is that literally it takes a crane, uh, some chopsticks, some duct tape, and some pills for me to get it up. And it has to be a dark room, and it has to be quiet, and there can't be any noise or anything like this. You're in the middle of a podcast studio; the lights are on, everything's happening, and you can still get it up. That's pretty impressive. Maybe I should start drinking this fucking bourbon. Where is this here, Barry? You're more than welcome to some. There's just a glass left for you. You think this will help me? Definitely. All right.
0: Definitely. That was definitely a a unique situation. Like. I'm not coming. Now
3: were you able to Actually uh, finish your, uh, your The thing that happened Did you come to fruition
0: I did not Mostly because I'm one of these people That like Once oral starts I want to actually bang And she was on her period And she decided That was not a good idea Not that it bothers me Did you ever see her again uh, Mostly because I'm
3: Hollywood flaky
0: now <laughs> We made now, plans and then I played.
3: Now, here's another weird question for you. When you sobered up or you became sober and then you, would you have been attracted to her if you were sober? Definitely. Oh, okay. Attractive girl. You know, the thing, if that, if that happened to me, the first thing i think about was, all right, how many times has this person done this? Don't care. It's not Everest. I'm not planting
0: a flag. I don't care if I'm first, last, or in between. As long as I don't catch a disease on it, who cares? Are you good with the women? I'm all right. I have my moments. Are you confident?
3: No, I'm horribly shaking, in my yeah, I'm okay. Like you know how, like for instance, like a client of mine uh, who I love, uh, Brad Williams. I love Brad. Uh, Brad, for your audience, if they don't know, he's four foot four, and he's married to a full size, beautiful woman.
0: That met they met on a threesome site, if I remember correctly.
3: <laughs> yeah, they met on a, a site called Thrinder. It's not doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's
0: called the Field now.
3: And one of the people didn't show up, and the rest is history. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, he has so much confidence. Dwarfism means nothing. It's like it's not. It's just a word it, you know, I get out of the shower and literally I look in the mirror and I, I feel like I look like a bag of onions. This guy has dwarfism and he's the most confident, unbelievably powerful guy and, you know, can be with anybody. And clearly, cause he's with one of the beautiful women I've ever met. And, um, it's really wonderful to see, so that's why I asked you if you're the kind of person who's also confident.
0: It's what you project. If you project confidence, you project this is where you want to be. People believe
3: this is where you
0: want to be. It's my mentality. Works okay sometimes.
3: Fantastic.
0: Besides my yeah, you know, sexual endeavors, misadventures, do you have any good, uh drinking stories that you'd like to share with our audience?
3: You know, in terms of drinking, the stories are ones that you might not find so exciting. But to me, they mean something to me. And they normally involve artists. Okay. Because... You know, in the early years when I started, I was a doorman at a comedy club, and i it would be the boom, the comedy boom in the 80s, and these guys were drinking so much that I saw so many comedians, they'd start off their set coherent, and at the end of their set, they'd be slurring words and and couldn't even finish their sentences. And I vowed to myself... That I never wanted to be in a situation where I, if I could avoid it, to represent anybody who was in those situations and to be in those situations myself, I never wanted to be that guy. You never so, want to be sloppy. Yeah, so I was never a person that I think lost control when it came to that. Don't get me wrong, I, I wanted to, you know, I I... I wanted to feel like I could let go and drink. And I think there's something really, pardon the expression, intoxicating about it. There's something really exciting about being in a situation, especially if you're in a relationship or close to getting into a relationship. There's something really special about that thing where you drink with that person and you notice that the walls are coming down. And you both can feel confident doing things or making moves or saying things that you never would say before. Once your inhibitions are lowered. Yeah, well, that's good. Or expectations are lowered or whatever it is. But but I think that in terms of that, I mean, look, I was at SNL. I had, like, so many clients on SNL. And you're hanging around with people like Farley and, you know... (laughs) As Jay, Mar- As Jay Moore would say, Chris Farley was a wrecking ball of joy, but just completely alcohol was just like, a, it was like fuel, and it was just like nonstop, and even when you didn't see it happening, you're like, this had to happen somewhere. Um, but then you wonder, you know, you wonder about certain things. Would... Snoop Dogg, I mean, the guy is unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. Every time I'm around anywhere where he's at, and it's not like we're friends or I know him, but, you know, I've been on set. It's literally a contact high everywhere. Like, every moment of the day, this guy's high, yet he's brilliant. So, or Chappelle, when he was starting, would probably smoke a bag of marijuana a day. Brilliant. So, I mean... And there's certain people that obviously things do help, and um, they get them where they need to be. Yes. Um, let me just take one break here, and don't leave me. I'm sorry about that. No worries. That's what editing's for. I love right. Bert Kreischer. Bert Kreischer is um, wonderful.
0: No, Bert was amazing. Bert did an amazing live podcast tonight, and then when he came to the show, it was a lot of fun. Start talking to him about porn, which he amazingly knew a lot more about porn than I thought he would.
3: If I could use another Jay Moore line, which I love, he says, You know you're watching a lot of porn as a guy when you can recognize an actor by his balls. <laughs> not to throw
0: Jay under the bus. The first time Jay met my co-host, he said, I've never seen you not squirting before.
3: So your co-host, I don't know your show, so your co-host is an adult star. Retired, but yes. Interesting. I interviewed Catherine Oxenberg for my podcast, the, the woman who was on Dynasty, and she talked all about how when she turned 45 or 50, she went to this retreat and with tantric and everything, and it taught her how to have better orgasms and she talks about how she has these huge orgasms and squirts now and and it's like, and she says every woman is capable of doing it and uh, uh, I, you know, I clearly don't know anything about it because I'm, you know maybe if I go to a woman's prison maybe I might have some success But
0: You've never made a woman squirt?
3: I have Okay, so you're not that far behind Come on No, but I mean, you know, it's like If you make one or two or three, that's not like making everybody do that. I don't even if I if I can be honest with you, I have no fucking idea what I did to them that was different for what I did to (laughs) the other people. But it happened.
0: Hey, that's all that matters. You made them squirt? They wanted to give you repeat business, I'm assuming.
3: Life is good. God, I'm learning a lot about you now. This is exciting.
0: I'm excited too. Are we both excited? This is kind of weird. Like, two heterosexual males. Aunt Mike
3: excited. Kind of weird. I didn't. I I feel so awkward that I didn't (laughs) know that you. Now, how did you hook up with this person to do the podcast? What was the What was the, like? How did it come about? Like,
0: so my former co-host, who is also
3: an adult performer, was leaving the show, and now she was retired too. No, she's an active performer. I had a client who hosted the Avian Awards this year, Colin Kane. Oh, cool. We had fun out there. Oh, you were there? Yeah, I was in Las, Las Vegas. I was there too. I was, you know, backstage with uh, him and uh, he was having a blast. Nice. I mean, it's a hard gig to make it work, believe me. Oh, I know.
0: Uh, I know. I This was my 8th Avian this year?
3: Really? Uh, yeah.
0: I actually maybe nominated this coming year. You were nominated Yeah, uh, Best non-sexual I don't understand uh, I played a rabbi in a porn This year
2: <laughs> I, did.
0: I played a rabbi in a porn Called Jews Love Black Cox
2: sounds
0: <laughs> like That's fantastic So uh, the nominations will be coming out next month I will find out for certain if I was nominated or not
3: That's right, the AVN awards are coming up, right? In January Who's hosting this year? I don't
0: know I'll have to text somebody to find out Got it Speaking of hosts,
3: I saw Kate Quigley earlier tonight I love Kate Quigley uh, She's a fantastic yeah, she was doing Bird show. Oh, she was? Yep. It was her and Burton. and who else?
0: Uh, I'm very rudely spacing on the third person's name.
3: God, Kate Quigley, she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. I mean, she's incredible and funny, too. They always say in sitcoms, God doesn't give with both hands, but they they did so with her. It's
0: the rarity of, like, you know, I, Kate has said to herself, she's so like, She grew up and she wasn't attractive as a child, so she had to develop a sense of humor. When did she become attractive? According
3: to her, at 30. What happened? She divorced her husband. (laughs) Her husband made her unattractive?
0: She was with that dude for like 10 years. I don't know. This is just what she says. I'm not
3: trying to speak out of school. Did you ever want to be a, a, um, a Jewish pornographic star?
0: No. I know what goes into being male talent, and i
3: it's a lot of work that I'm not willing to do. I heard there's only about 20 men who can actually, on command, can get hard on command, can come on command, can get soft on command, can do whatever it is. Like, Is that true? It is very true.
0: And on top of it, Think about the fact that you have to bang people that you're not necessarily attracted to, especially when you're starting out. If you're starting out as male talent, you get booked with whoever you get booked with. Mr. Pete tells a great story about the first person he ever did a scene with was 65 years old and asked if she should leave her teeth in. I like choosing who I bang.
3: I sometimes make really poor choices, but I like choosing. I remember I went to a urologist one time, and I asked him what the um, the most unique and difficult things he deals with as a urologist. Are you sure you don't want the last taste? No, you have it. You sure? Positive. Thank you. Come good. on, drink with Thank me. you so much. Come on. I'm good. Oh, fine. You can't have me on heroin in a week. And I'm not I, trying to get you on heroin. And Jesus. I, and I asked him what it was, and he said it's it's... The people who do the injections, he gets a lot of people who come in f- with the uh, self-injections and apparently there's some kind, I didn't know this, that a lot of adult stars, they do the injection, which keeps them hard for four hours and there's not even, not even anything in your mind could even, like if you said to yourself, there's a car accident and people are bleeding, you're still like a rock hard.
0: That injection is meant for paraplegics.
3: Really? Yeah. You know, when I was, a lot of people don't know this about me, but when I was um, in college, I was an adult aide to the director of disabled student services at my college. And I was, you know, got free rent if I would take care of them three days a week. And what a lot of people don't know, uh, which I'll share, is in terms of uh, how a person pees, who doesn't have any use of of uh, those nerves is there's a long process and I'll go with it as quickly as possible because there's going to be a point to the story okay is that they what they do is they get themselves hard they put glue on their penis they put a condom on they cut off the top of the 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 condom and then they put some tubing tie it to the top and goes down their leg to a bag by their ankle and then there's a release point where they can empty when the bag gets full because it's just urine constantly coming out and every morning when i help this person do this they could get themselves hard without any pill or anything like that so when you say that it's for paraplegic and quadriplegics this particular person was able to to uh, get that way. Whew. So you're, how much, How what percentage of the porn stars, the male porn stars, use the injection?
0: I wouldn't know offhand, but, I mean, there's a fair amount that use injections and use Cialis or Viagra. And there's a couple old-school guys who just are crazy people who just get hard.
3: Do you know the most common phrase uttered on television? I do not. Can you guess?
0: No. No, I really can't.
3: By literally 20 times, this phrase is the most used phrase on television. If you have an erection lasting more than four hours, (laughs) please call your doctor.
0: i wasn't thinking of infomercials, I was thinking
3: of sitcoms and Wow. Can I take one more break? Of course. When I was representing Dave Chappelle did this uh one person show in Edinburgh called The Adventures of Trick Whitey Man.
0: In Scotland? Yep. Wow. That's like the whitest place to do something like that. You don't get much whiter than Edinburgh, Scotland.
3: No, you don't. <laughs> How'd it go? How do geniuses to go?
0: Pretty well, I'm assuming.
3: Fantastic.
0: So where did you first find Chappelle?
3: There was a manager who ran my comedy club in New York, the Boston Comedy Club. It Actually, wasn't in New York, believe it or not, in Greenwich Village next to Il Molino and a block from Washington Square Park. And, um, actually Anderson Cooper bought the firehouse next door and that lives there. Um, and he told me that this kid came in on an open mic night and to come see him the next night I did. And he just blew me away. I knew I wanted to work with him. I knew he'd be one of the greatest. Uh, he tells this, these great stories, but I, I just shook his hand and I knew I told him, you're going to be the next coming-up comedy. You're going to change the face of it, and I want to represent you. And he asked me how I knew that, and I just said, it's like the dead zone. I can just feel it.
0: That's fucking amazing. That is absolutely fucking amazing. And you're 100% right.
3: (laughs) Who do you uh, love? Like, what are your favorite... Comedians and and who would you put on the uh, the proverbial the Rushmore. generic Mount Rushmore that people talk about?
0: Living or dead? Living, living, Chappelle. Louis. The other two, hmm. that's that's rough. Um, Burr, I love Burr. I used to have w- said Chris Rock, but until I found out that a lot of people are writing for Chris. So it's like, well, you're not writing for yourself. Like, you have a great delivery, but you're essentially acting. <laughs> the fourth. It's really rough. It's really rough. I do really enjoy Rogan.
3: So you got Chappelle, you got... Burr, Burr, you got CK, CK. and you're looking for one more.
0: I know, the the fourth is super hard.
3: It's a very crowded field these days. Really? There's a crowded field of geniuses in comedy? I think so. Really? Well, I mean, you're the expert, and... No, I'm not the expert, I'm just one person.
0: You're one person who has picked
3: many, you know... Why don't you tell me... In your mind, forget Mount Rushmore now, why don't you just tell me, you already named three of them, and tell me all the other geniuses in comedy.
0: I definitely enjoy Brian Callan every time he performs live. I'll text him. He probably would. You're right. Of course. All right. So, where were we? You're grilling me on who. Yeah, Callum probably would not say he's
3: a genius. Who are your geniuses in comedy? You already mentioned three. Candy. Yes, candy. I want that candy. Can under the table so you can still find it. Where will that table be? Over at the end. All right. I'll find okay. it. Thank you. I'm so, Apparently, I'm, Barry
0: Katz is bribed with candy.
3: I've got some serious problems. I don't know what it is. I'm got, okay, we all do. A couple more candy bars. He'll be representing you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just taking a Thank few you. of these. Cool.
0: Don't apologize. So, who
3: else would I? Genius is so subjective. Stop with the bullshit. Tell me who the geniuses are.
0: You're supposed to be the one who knows who the geniuses are. You represent people. I'm just a You said tool.
3: there's. A, you said there's a lot of people. Tell me. There them. are.
0: There are. Rogan's a genius. I think Callan's a genius. Tom Segura. I enjoy the fuck out of whatever Bert does. There's a lot of very talented people doing comedy these days. I love that you're just not holding a microphone. You're just staring at me
3: staring at you because the question is tell me all the geniuses in comedy and you're saying names that some of them which we all know are fucking amazing amazing great comedians and performers who draw thousands and thousands of people but i'm asking you who you feel and they would say like I don't, you know, I haven't been around Joe Rogan. You know, he started in Boston, but I haven't been around him in a long time. So I don't know if he would say he was a genius or not. I, I will, I will, I will tell you this about Joe Rogan that I'll say about him: um, what he has done, he's like the Saturday Night Live of podcasting. What he has done, he's like Lauren Michaels of podcasting. What he
0: actually did better numbers for his Alex
3: Jones episode than the
0: SNL season finale did.
3: For his what episode?
0: The Alex Jones oh. did more downloads than SNL did views for their season finale.
3: Yeah, I mean, but even, let's pretend that wasn't the case. He's just done so much for so many people and, and helped drive forward their careers, and he's a... He's an example of paying it forward. And, and so uh,
0: an appearance on Rogan's podcast makes someone's career. 100% at this point.
3: Yeah, so it's it's pretty incredible what he's done and what he's doing. I just don't know, you know, I, I guess it would be up to him to say that. I don't know, but I certainly know Bert would not sit here and say that he feels like he's in the category of Chappelle. Who was the other person you mentioned? Segura. Yeah, Tom Segura would never sit here and say really that Chappelle would say he, he's a genius yes I really? do if 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 I were talking to him and I, I'm not trying to be egotistical I represented him for eight years but I was just with him I was just with him at the Def Jam 25 taping and I'm backstage and it's not even a traditional theater it's just like a well, lino- they didn't do it's that like, at
0: the Apollo? No. That's, that's fucked up.
3: I know. It's like a linoleum hallway in, in the back there. And I'm there with, you know, there's Steve Harvey and Chappelle and Cedric the Entertainer and all these amazing Mike Epps, Tracy Morgan, Chappelle, just nonstop people. And I took Dave aside I probably shouldn't share this, but I will.
0: I appreciate it.
3: I took him aside and I said, there's two geniuses in this room tonight in terms of comedy. And he walked a little bit off to the side with me. And he says, uh, who are the geniuses? I said, you and Cat Williams. And I said, I'm not sure if Cat Williams is a genius because of all the holes that have been blown through him through his life and all the difficult things and how that has just manifested itself into this no fear, no holds barred incredible stream of consciousness, or it would have always been like that way. But I consider him, uh, his content to be uh, of genius caliber, and I consider you. And I never forget. He looked at me, and he took a puff out of a cigarette and blew it out. And he said, in a choir voice, he said, "I wouldn't disagree with that."
0: Yeah, but he didn't interject it. He didn't say that I'm a genius. He agreed with you. There's there's a difference there.
3: Is there? What's the difference? It's a matter of ego. It, it, just tell me what the difference. I say there's two geniuses in the room, you and Cat Williams, and what's the difference if he didn't come up with the idea first?
0: He just agreed with your idea.
3: So you have to come up with an idea first for it to be valid.
0: Not necessarily, but it makes it a little more valid.
3: Got it. Okay, so we've named you've named three geniuses in your mind: Louis Burr and uh, Chappelle. Chappelle. Yes. Huh. Do you want me to go with my genius list? Of course. Um, and I, I, you know, people could disagree with me. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure people will disagree with my list. But I like your three. I like your three on there. I agree with you. What Louis and, and Bill are doing is, is unprecedented in how prolific it is.
0: Especially with Bill's podcast. The fact that he, twice a week, no guess,
3: just fucking rants
0: and makes it fucking super entertaining podcast is amazing to me
3: it's incredible and i you know i represented all three of those people uh and i'm honored that i had the time with them uh to me the greatest gift is being around people who you know are extraordinary you can't you can't beat it and so another person i'd mention on the list i would put chris rock on the list i think that um You know, uh, whether some people write for him or not, the bottom line is, you know, this guy was doing CB4 before anybody. I love that movie, by the way. So, I mean, he's done so much. Um, He's an amazing talent. He's an amazing businessman. And um, I have enormous respect for him. So, he's number four on my living list. Oh, I Uh, I have a ton of respect for him. Don't get me wrong. But you took him off the list.
0: Well... It takes a little away from when you find out that other people are writing his material.
3: Got it. Got it. It,
0: it does. If I found out someone was writing for Louie or Burr or Dave, it would take away from that, too.
3: You ever hear a great song that was written by uh, Paul McCartney singing a song that was written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney? Do you think the song... Sucks unless it's written solely by Paul McCartney. Because if that's the case, then you must hate a lot of Beatles songs. I do. All right, then we're. In. I'm an
0: I'm an Elvis man. No, I'm, I'm just fucking with right. you. A-
3: um, what do you think Elvis wrote? Fever. Totally. <laughs> anyway, so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going with my list here. So um, please, please do. Uh, in no particular order, we're going here. I'm gonna go with Jim Jeffries next. Jim is amazing um jim uh what Jim does on stage there's nothing there's nothing like it in the world uh, so I think that's great um so what's that that's five it is um, uh i'm gonna go with Steve martin he's living
0: he is he also hasn't done stand up in twenty years
3: doesn't matter he's the stand up who's living. Fair enough. So I'm going to go with Steve Martin. Um, hmm. And this is why it's so hard, because comedy's never been hotter. But I think there's very few people you look at and you say, holy shit, there's something really, really unique happening here. Look, I, I worked with Dane Cook for, I think, 17 years. What he accomplished as an artist and a businessman was unprecedented. He yeah, could, Madison Square he, Garden. He could press a button and sell out Madison Square Garden, two shows in one night, Boston Garden, two shows in one night. To this day, there has not been one comedian who's ever sold out two shows in one night at those places. But no, also, not at all. Also, he had a but he had a combination of stand-up that was like, again, people will disagree with me or agree with me, but I'd say a third of his comedy was equal to Chappelle or Burr or C.K. or Chris Rock, and but then a third was silly, and then a third was just really shock value, blue relationship humor, and so he never got totally in that category because he mixed it up in, in different ways like that. And so that's what can happen sometimes. Uh, but he was an amazing performer as far as a performer was concerned. If I gave genius marks to people who could act out and perform their material, I'd say that there was probably very few people that were better at it than him. But, Again, I'm just talking about the categories that we're talking about. And it's just when you look at it, it's just so hard to think about. You know, look, uh, John Stewart uh, as a host on a talk show, uh, brilliant genius. Letterman as a host on a talk show, genius. His stand definitely, but the standup didn't. I don't think approached the the level of what. Chappelle's doing right now No no one
0: remembers David Letterman's stand-up No one
3: I mean I went to Radio City Music Hall uh, to see Dave and it was the night after um, uh, Charlottesville and he just got on stage and he said look I apologize everybody but I'm not going to be I'm just going to be talking about Charlottesville and he did like almost an hour on Charlottesville I don't even know I, people were like rolling in the aisles. I don't know how he did it, what, where he wrote it, where he came up with it, but it was it was pretty amazing. And so I try to think about these things and I, I think about it a lot because there are so many great people out there. Look, Louis Anderson is amazing to watch and just so great to be around and he's like a living... Legend, and he's he's doing multiple shows in Vegas a week, right? Yeah, and he's but he, you know he's won four Emmy awards. He's just so wonderful, and yeah, I, uh, I can't stop laughing when I see him, and I I, I love him as a person. Um, will he go down as a genius? Um, I don't know if he will or not, but I do know that he's. There isn't anybody who doesn't love, you know, being around him and and seeing him perform. So he has this reaction that he gets, uh, from people. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of special people. I think of, um, I mean, I think of so many people that it works so hard, like, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, just incredible the work ethic that she has and how powerful she is and her stand-up is just just brilliant so do I put her in that category um, you know I loved her stand-up I I don't know I just maybe I just think of some people at the at just this level that is another gear. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that somebody who's under that gear is bad or they're not as good or they couldn't blow those people off the stage because they could, you know, Dane, Dane Cook or George Lopez could go on stage and probably take, uh, Louis CK out or Bill Burr out or, or Chappelle out by going on before them for a half hour. because They just know how to make a crowd their own and and say, take that motherfucker.
0: They have many, many, many miles
3: behind them. Look, you know, and there's some really special people out there. Look, Kevin Hart is selling out football stadiums. It's fucking awesome. Uh, But he would even sit here and say, I'm, you know, I'm not where Chappelle is right now. Um, And that's... Chappelle has also had a very unique road.
0: After the Chappelle Show, the the time he took off, Chappelle has done it his way the whole way. It's, there's something to admire about that.
3: Absolutely. Well, when you can, when you can turn down fifty million dollars, the power of no, and you have the guts to believe in yourself that much, which we talked about earlier on the show, and and. 10 or 12 years later, it comes back to you and you get the, you get the money back and 10 million more, you know, that's, that's a great thing. It's, it's sometimes you have to walk away from things to get everything you want. And, you know, unfortunately when, you know, after your podcast, you didn't walk away from things and you, you know, and that's, sometimes good things happen when that doesn't uh, see i'm different from you you know if that girl said that to me i would say i can't you know do we you think we could talk first you uh, know no nah, there's no room for talk well i feel good i'm I'm learning a lot from you
0: <laughs> speaking of Chappelle, i actually saw him on tour in 2007 right after chapelle show ended like he did a theater tour and i watch him explain to the audience why he walked away from it. It was amazing. He used a stool be like, this is a pile of money, and this is Comedy Central putting their dick on it. You just gotta touch it, Dave.
3: You just gotta touch it.
0: I will never forget that shit. It was fucking amazing.
3: I'll tell your audience one final story, and then we'll get out of here about the money. So... I get a call from the president of Comedy Central, who just happened to be the first guest on my podcast, Industry Standard, over 225 episodes ago. And it's this amazing thing that happened that he called me, and he said, can you get Dave uh, to meet me? Can you get him to come to my office? I said, I'm sure I could. I haven't worked with him in a while, but I, you know, I, I have a good relationship with him. He says, "Good because um, I have a check on my desk underneath a paperweight for twenty-seven million dollars, made out to, <laughs> oh, shit. made out to him." I said, "I I can't get him there. Then I'm sorry. I I didn't know that. I can't get him." And, <laughs> and the president started yelling at me. He said, "What the fuck are you talking about? I." I don't understand. I, I, You said you could get him here, and now I tell you I have a check for $27 million, and you say you can't get him here. I said, I can't get him there, because if I tell him to go there, it's like he cashes that check. You own him, and he doesn't want that. He just wants to stay where he is and not have to deal with that, and this guy, Doug Herzog, it's a great interview. He, he yelled out, but it's a check for twenty-seven. 27- million dollars and dave leaned over to me when he told him the story and right when i said the guy said it's a check for 27 million dollars dave leaned over and he looked at me and he said that sounds a little light <laughs> holy
0: shit holy shit and Barry cats just dropped the mic
3: drop, listen for your audience, check out Industry Standard. You can download it any it's free, obviously you know that. And I've interviewed everybody from Kevin Hart to Doctor Phil to David Copperfield, Judd Apatow, got Caitlin Jenner coming up. It's all about the inspirational journey. From humble beginnings and how they got to the next level, it's a great resource. Just listen to me on uh, twice speed, so you don't have to listen to my voice. <laughs> and then just get to them and enjoy it. And this has been a pleasure. And I'm sorry I missed your co-host because Lord knows I I need to be blown in the middle of a lit ballroom.
0: Don't worry, we'll do it again. Do a proper podcast instead of this short form
3: bullshit. Well, it was an honor. I'm sorry I didn't drink with you, but I had fun anyway. Thank you.
0: And good night, all. So we're sitting down with Hal Sparks, mm-hmm. who has been a teetotaler his whole life. So That's right. We're not going to get any fun drinking stories out of him, per se. But
4: Yeah, not first-hand, anyways.
0: we got a... Ones that you were a witness to that you care to share? Normally we're like long format, sit down, like actual conversations. Sure. But since I know I have limited time with you, we're just That's trying right. to
4: get... Yeah. I mean, um, throughout my entire life, like I I was the only teetotaler in my entire group of friends. And, enti- you know, I ended up being the designated driver uh, in high school for everybody. Um, I, yeah, just... N- and it's interesting because even to this day, like I've never had a drink. Not, just not interested...
0: Just not as Yeah, like.
4: I consider myself like the one white rat in the that's taking the placebo, <laughs> you know, like in a in a ninety nine to one control group. You know, um, and and I'm you know I'm part native, part Irish. Like if anybody's got the genes for fucking this up, it would be my you know my family. Is it so, a
0: fear of like once you start, you're not stopping?
4: No, I mean that would be a genetic concern, I suppose. But I, I literally I've always had something better to do. Like, and I don't need any help relaxing. I'm already full of shit, which is great. Because <laughs> I think, like, to me, you know, using alcohol is like, social lube is the idea that most people... That is mostly... Like, there's two two strategic forms that comes in, which is social lube and post-work relaxation. A beer after work to calm down or to g- take the edge of the day off or um, or getting slightly buzzed so you can talk to somebody and...
0: Build up the nerves talk to, nerve. to the girl right. at the bar.
4: And I've always been... Very relaxed and equally, I have no nervousness about interacting with people. Um, and if I do ever, I don't take it as a sign of that I'm somehow less in this. I, I take it as that my own intuition or or some sort of guardian angel is saying, "Don't talk to that bitch; she's terrible." <laughs> you know. So there's a you know what I mean. Like it, it has saved me from bad relations. The only other no, problem I'm, I'm is, sure. I I do feel for people who drink in that. I, I hate the drink responsibly ad campaign Definitely. because I think ultimately the whole point of drinking is to avoid responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. It's like, dude, Believe you me, fucked I know. my cat. I was <laughs> drunk. You know, like the whole point of, of, uh, you know, of drinking is to avoid some level of responsibility for your actions.
0: I wholly agree. I mean, just between you, I, and the audience, I'd May have tried to pick
4: up a fifty-five-year-old last night. See, that's what I mean. Yeah, the sober this morning. Right? What the hell
0: was I doing last yeah.
4: night? Yeah. And if I ever tried to pick up a fifty-five-year-old, it's because I meant to pick up a fifty-five-year-old. You know. Um, and uh, to be fair, she was—I could tell she was very good-looking when she was younger. Yeah. All right. There you go. So the genes are still there. Yeah. Yeah. She's got one egg left. You can freeze it, use it later.
0: Oh no, no, no! I want no part of that. I see.
4: All right. <laughs> well, I uh, ultimately, <laughs> yeah, I just have a. And, and most, of it, quite frankly, the industries that I'm in, alcohol has consumed a good number of humans. Definitely. And so uh, to avoid that, you know, I, okay, so when I was, I won the Funniest Teenager Chicago contest when I was 17 years old. Most people don't know I came in second when I was 16 the year before. But it was an age group difference. So when I came, I was first in my age category, second overall. The next year, I won the whole kit and caboodle because I was the older category was the automatic win. I guess because you could get a job. But when I one of the things I won was a, uh, a a show at the Laugh Factory. When I won, okay. Well, when I won though, this was 1987. So the the Laugh Factory was not the Laugh Factory we know now. Fox Fox Network turned that into a, a TV studio, basically version of a comedy club in like the mid 90s with a show uh, called uh, like like Fox Sunday Comics I yeah, think it was yeah. yeah and so they poured a ton of money in re, you know remodeling the, the the laugh factory making that set originally it was like the belly room at the comedy store it was an, it was basically Jamie Masada was trying to recreate one room of the comedy store a, a few blocks away it's still one of my favorite rooms in the city probably. That's right and so but it was jet black it was one room the the backstage area had like I, I, I basically I walked in and I was going to, I was assuming I was out here for a one week trick. My dad took me out here to uh, audition for some things, hoping that I wouldn't get them. And he would teach me a valuable lesson about the industry. And I would just choose a more sensible line of work. I got both of the jobs that I went up for and had to choose between the two. And then I had to do a set. Uh, I, we went over to the Laugh Factory and I was like, I've won a set. I should go talk to them about making this happen. So I went to the Laugh Factory and I went, by the way, I, uh, my name's Hal Sparks. I won the Funniest teenager Chicago, And they said, I won a performance here. And they went, okay, we'll put you on the list. And it was like an open mic kind of thing. Like, they just added me to the night. It wasn't an open mic, but they just chucked me in Just there. kind and of was,
0: threw you in the 25 middle.
4: 25 comics going on. Oh, wow. Six minutes each, maybe. and And they were all packed into the back where there was no backstage. It was just like a closet full of comedians. So I went up after a while, did 10 minutes, murdered, My dad, like, was, you know, horrifyingly impressed by how comfortable I was and how well I did. And so I went, you know, they didn't really ask me for credentials when I told them I won a performance here. Why don't we try this at the comedy store, too? So we drove down to the comedy store. I went up and went, hi, I'm Hal Sparks. I won the Funniest Teenager Chicago Contest, and I won a performance here, you know, and they put me on in the main room. Oh, shit. They put me on like like like, a, like a, almost a headlining spot. They gave me fifteen minutes in the in the headline show that night in the main room, walk uh, like on sight unseen right
0: that's amazing
4: at seventeen um, I had to be escorted through the bar to the club you know because I was underage, but they let me be in the backstage like no big fucking deal. Well, I go back there, and at this time this is eighty seven like I said. Richard Lewis and Sam Kinison were both backstage. Oh shit! And there's this mirrored piano in the in the in the uh, uh, green room, which is jet black, it, backstage in the main room. And there was a pile of blow on there that would make Scarface blush. <laughs> and they were pulling lines off this shit. And I remember, like, I thought it was a joke. I thought they were filming a sketch. It was so so it was cartoonish, such an absurd amount of cocaine. Wow. That I, I was like, I don't even know how to wrap my head around this. And they were just going to town. And um, I remember, like, kind of watching them. And they both kind of fumfered through their set. Richard kind of was talking faster than he normally does. And he's always scatterbrained anyway. So he probably used it as an ADD drug, you know. And, and you know, and Sam just was, like, keeping his heart going, I suppose, at that point. <laughs> it was, like, normal, you know. Um, but I remember, like, being backstage going, okay, this is super cliche for Hollywood. Like, this is, like, right out of a movie. And I went, I'm not going to fall for this shit. I'm not going to get involved with this, you know, and, I, and because I couldn't drink, I was too young to, you know, drink and work, I was like, if I, if I even get a drink on the side backstage someplace, I won't be able to work again for the next four years. So I was like, that's it then. I'm just, you know, straight edge for life. That's and it worked. It paid off. Hey, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I end up sponging vomit off the side of my dad's uh, Chevy Cavalier uh, regularly, almost every weekend in high school, driving my friends home as they would barf out the passenger window, um, basically taking the paint off the door. That is a horrible price to pay. Yeah, and I used to, uh, I, you know, I used to have this joke in my act about how I, I don't, you know, I, I don't drink, but I also wouldn't sleep with a woman who's been drinking ever. And even a little bit, um, partly because, you know, I, I want her to be present and be able to, you know, really want to be there. If you need a drink to take the edge off, you're not ready for this magic. But also, <laughs> I don't want to work that hard in bed and have her forget the next morning, you know. I'm oh like, oh, my God, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? What the fuck was I doing for four hours? What do you mean, what happened? Thank God I filmed it.
0: Well, especially in this day and age, the, it's just a horrible horrible things with yeah. how consent works these days. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that, you know, I could be drunk and she could be drunk,
4: but I'm at fault. That's right. That's why I only have sex with Snapchat glasses on. <laughs> in every circumstance. Your Honor. I know she looks like a panda bear right now, but trust me. She was into it. Yeah, she was into it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another, you know, it's another good reason because I've been in a couple of situations, I have to say, where I've been like making out or or fooling around with a girl and like i very distinctly read this memory this one girl going um like i don't like backing out of it essentially in midway and going um i'm like oh sorry i didn't she goes oh when i said no didn't mean it and i was like i'm sober you didn't say no until now but now that you've said no i'm leaving yeah like and and i was very i was like Holy shit, if, and she was playing, this was something she was doing. She was setting this circumstance up. And luckily it was before I was famous, so nobody would have given a shit ultimately. Um,
0: it's still not right.
4: No, it's not right. Yeah, no, 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 but she was definitely setting me up for this situation. And I was like, if I was, if I'd been drinking at all, I'd be fucked right now. You know, so, uh, so like that, that being said, um, you know, I grew up around my dad. Drinking whiskey and playing bluegrass till three o'clock in the morning. And there was a certain level of like pleasure that they took from that, um, that they still have to this day. You know, um, I used to sleep under my dad's chair while he was playing bluegrass with all of his friends and they would like, they would drink a fifth by themselves. It was amazing. Like, I, I don't even understand how they operated. Takes practice. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You build up a, you build up a tolerance. Yeah
0: get some practice in. That's so, great. Right. I'm kind of curious. What did your dad do in Chicago, if you don't mind me asking?
4: He's an architect, but he also uh, does fret work on bluegrass instruments. So, like, um, he does bail flex frets on his banjo before every, you know before he does an album. He does Sam Bush, the mandolin player, does oh, his fret cool. work. Um, I grew up around all those guys. You know, Vince Gill is a family friend, has been since I was, you know, two years old, back That's when he was in Pure Prairie League.
0: That's awesome. No, I just, you know, between the film threat panel and what you're talking about that your dad was so adamant about you getting into entertainment, I was curious what he did with himself.
4: Yeah, no. Uh, he, was, he was the black sheep of the family because he chose not to be a teacher. <laughs> and then at one point he wanted to design cars. And my grandfather was like, nobody designs cars. That's not a job. And so architecture was the, uh, the more stable version of that. But ultimately... You know, the lesson of my life was that my dad probably would have done just as well as he has he's done, and he's done very well. But as a car designer, as he would have been as a architect,
0: I feel that's just a Midwestern thing. A lot of Midwestern families want you to play it safe. My family always encouraged me to get into the trades instead of doing anything creative. Like an electrician, will always have work. That's right, and it's just. The midwestern mentality
4: yeah as long as you don't decide to work at a factory or any of that shit because then uh, you know i very distinctly remember this moment where my i had a cousin who was working at the fruit of the loom plant and she had a stable regular job there office job and she decided to quit and go teach scuba diving in in uh, hawaii that's awesome it's great and um, my grandmother was having panic attacks about, like, oh, my God, she's, this is a terrible decision. She has this lovely, steady job at this factory, and she's going off to do something that people just don't do. They don't, no, one, no one teaches scuba diving in Hawaii. Like, of course they do. Yeah. So, lots of people do. They have, but, but, the, but nobody from Kentucky does this, no, right? not at all. A year later, the factory closed. Everybody was out of work. My cousin... Not only got a job doing that, she got a job on a cruise, like a a private cruise ship doing it. Teaching this guy's guests, this super rich dude's guests how to scuba dive because he liked scuba diving. So she was the um, on-boat instructor and guide for their scuba diving trips, which which is what a great fucking job. That's amazing. That's someone's dream job. And she met uh, her husband, who was the chef on the boat. They met on that boat, got married. They now have kids. They bought their own boat and started doing tours where he would cook and she would teach scuba diving on the boat that they owned. Like it was great. That's amazing. That's honestly something like if you ask someone as a
0: kid, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I want to teach scuba on a private boat.
4: Yeah, right. That's like a dream gig, right? Completely. And, she, and they absolutely do it. And they and and uh and and I had conversations with my grandmother afterwards. I was like, after the factory closed, I went see, and so. Flash forward to, I'm in a play in Chicago, and my grandparents come up to see me in my first play in Chicago, my first professional play, and it was the Elephant Man, and I played the Elephant Man's owner, Ross, the part that Anthony Hopkins played in the movie. Awesome. And halfway through the play, there's an intermission, and my dad's talking to my grandparents, and my grandmother goes, when does Hal come on? Well, almost all my scenes were in the beginning. She didn't recognize me. And my dad went, oh, shit, he's good at this. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) His own grandmother didn't recognize him. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, And so, you know, from that, like, I've learned to, like, respect people's dreams. You know? As long as they're not lying to themselves about their capability— but then, even that people like the dude who made the room. For fuck's sake! Like on all merits, they're making a movie about him making that make, movie. That's right. Yeah, one hundred percent. Anakin Skywalker is starring in the movie, <laughs> right the movie about that man's life. You know, his project making like that's fucking crazy.
0: I used to manage music way back in the day, and always just
4: tell my artists like, "Drive will get you further than talent." Sure. Yeah. No question. I mean, I learned, you know, I used to have this chip on my shoulder when I was first coming up because Keanu Reeves is like five years older than me, something like that. And so the, for my look and what I was doing, he, he was a good bellwether of the work I might be able to get, you know, the Bill and Ted stuff. I was too young to be Bill and Ted, but I was close. Right. right. And, and at a certain point, that starts to even out around speed where we're almost looking about the same age range. And I remember being pissed at one point, kind of jealous. Like, it's only because he's had this history that he's getting these roles. It's not, I didn't think very highly of his, him as an actor at the time. And all this time, I was jealous, essentially. And then I went, OK, you're jealous. That's fine. What is he doing right? Just do that. Do whatever, you know, don't be jealous of him. Just go, what is he doing right? You know, Insofar as finding the right team that every time they look at him, they see dollar signs in, his, in their eyes. They don't have to like his art or even believe that in what he can do. They just have to know that they can sell him and make money off of him. I was like, okay, well, I'll look for agents that, will, that look at me the way his agents look at him. And uh, two years later, I had TalkSoup.: talk suit. That's right.
0: absolutely awesome. And that is the best mentality to have.
4: Yeah. You
0: should never look down on someone else for them being successful. You should go,
4: how can I adapt to the parts that I'm okay with? If they're doing something unethical or something grotesque, then don't absorb that. Right. But I guarantee there's at least two traits that they have that you could absorb, stay within your ethical boundaries, and actually benefit from. Yeah. And that's, so that's been my kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's why I'm in the DGA and why, I'm, you know, why, why I qualify for retirement in SAG now because I've been in SAG so long. I've been in SAG since I was 16 years old. That's awesome. And, you know, the reason is because each, each of these, never be afraid to be a white belt. You know, always, always know that if you're looking at something, you go like, all right, I want to do that, but I'm a- ashamed of not knowing anything about it, then d- d- jump at it. It'll be a white belt. It's okay. You know,
0: hey, I did it when, when I got into the music industry, I literally knew nothing. I right. was working a day job I hated and went, what would I enjoy doing to make a living? Well, I enjoyed going to bars and seeing live music. Right. How do I do that for a living? Yeah. I manage artists.
4: Great. Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I failed. I burned a lot of money, but it was a great learning experience. That's
4: right. Right, but but again, you absolutely prove that you can be successful at doing it. It's just a matter of what else. What what makes you successful and makes you stay there? Yeah, that's the next lesson, and then you figure that out. You go, oh, I could actually manage bands when I'm in my 60s. You know, like you know, like uh, like Doc or any of those guys who like who run Aerosmith and all those guys. Like, th- there's a reason why like those careers don't go away with time. No, artists will always need men. That's right. That's right. And so there's always a version of like, oh, I needed to do this for 15 years to figure out how I could be better at what I originally started doing and go back to it or whatever. Or just decide, I tried it for a while. that I hated what I did like about it was these two things. So I'm going to open my own bar because that's what I liked about doing it or whatever.
0: Honestly, for me, I actually, I found I hated running the label end of things sure. because you had to make the decision between the artist you're working with and what's best for the label. Sure. I liked actually managing the artists sure. and looking out for their best interest. Right. I didn't like the feeling of, well, I got to make a decision that's going to benefit my business over the people I'm closely working with. Sure, sure.
4: And and that job, by the way, should be left up to people who aren't that attached. That's what A and R people used to be fucking for. Yeah, A and R people were that bridge. They could work. They could walk that line between the business side and the and 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 you know and and the management side. And they do have a, a foot in each camp. And they were good at it. Like good A and R people were hard to find. Like John Colladner, you know, people like that. They were hard to find because they could go. All right, I'm giving notes, but my notes are worthwhile both to the artist and the label. Definitely, you know. If you watch the making of Pump, there's an extraordinary, you know, uh, story where um, when they're making the song uh, "Janie's Got a Gun," and originally the line in he in, in "Janie's Got a Gun" was he raped a little bitty baby. Ooh, and and they were like, the label was like that wouldn't. We won't be able to play that on the radio. On the radio, yeah. And and Aerosmith was like, "Yeah, you're right, but we don't know what that is." And I think it was John Coladner, if I'm not mistaken, who suggested "jacked." He jacked a little bitty baby, and but and it was like still a harsh word as opposed to, you know, like the myriad of words that you could find to fill that gap between. What the artist wants and what the label wants and what could, what could get on the radio and what could what, still what make we call
0: commercially viable.
4: That's right. What's commercially viable and still makes the statement makes it sound harsh and arguably, Jack makes a is way harder sounding. Yeah, definitely. But it's not a no word. Raped is just tell, is a news story. This is poetic, right? And and so A and R people like I think they've lost to some degree their standing in the world of labels into the way they used to you know they used to exist as that bridge.
0: Well, the the whole music industry is on its head.
4: Sure, because of theft, unfortunately. Because fans are fucked. And fans you're not a fan of a band unless you buy their records. Anybody who tells me they downloaded somebody or or took somebody's record or whatever, you're not a fan, you're you're a thief. I have no tolerance whatsoever for to that. I ran into this fucking dude in England who was walking around handing out flyers about how music should be free. He was like, music should be free labels and all these businesses, these corporations that make records, they should just release the album. And I was like, do you make music? And he's, Are you in a band? And he goes, no. And I went, okay, if you want music to be free, make music and release it for free. Right. Otherwise, go fuck yourself. Completely. And the
0: thing about it is, I know a lot of people are very upset about the label share of record sales.
4: But... It's too high, but that doesn't mean you cheat the, the... producer, the engineer, the artist themselves out of whatever money because you're getting back at the fucking label? I
0: don't even think it's necessarily too high because
4: that larger share that the label takes allows them to take risks. That's right. And they get to invest it in other artists. Right. Other artists that may not be as commercially viable. That's right.
0: I mean, that's part of the problem with music these days. Part of the problem, my problem with the Hollywood system is there's not as many studios or labels that want to take risks on things because the money's not there
4: anymore. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and you look at taking a chance on a label, like the, the answer would be make sure you're as a band, you and your management or you and your agent work out and your lawyer work out a tiered uh, compensation thing. So by the time you get to your 10th album, you're making 60 to 70 percent of the benefits from the record Definitely. because you've earned it. You've gone from the the investment. The label now no longer has to invest that much money. Right. It's mostly PR instead of production. Exactly. You don't need to have a, hire a super producer to get you to learn how to write a good song because you fucking, you proved yourself.
0: And they don't have to actually put that much money into advertising you anymore. Right,
4: because you have a fan base and you've cultivated over time exactly. and all that stuff. Right, exactly. Like There's no, like... An artist like Tori Amos doesn't need to be given 80% of what she's doing to a record label because her fan base is so strong and her shows are so specific that she's, she's filling these halls. It's done. At this point, an artist like that probably doesn't even need a label at all. That's right. That's right. And so, and so if, the art, if the label gets the benefit of getting a 20% take or a 10% take off of what you're doing, they have to give you a, a, a good incentive for doing that. And mostly it will be so they can draw other talent that would have that same audience to their stable because we have Tori Amos. Exactly. So if you want to be a female singer-songwriter and you want to know that people will trust our judgment you know, in our promotional materials when we're promoting her stuff, maybe also like this artist, maybe you'd also like this artist, um, they'll trust us. You know, That's the problem with movie studios to some degree is that they don't center in on what kind of movies – a Columbia movie or a Paramount movie is.
0: That's why I liked about Miramax in the 90s. Sure. Miramax made Miramax movies. Yes.
4: Micro-target. And Touchstone, same thing. Was oh, like, yeah. Touchstone, everything was micro-marketed to some degree. Now everybody can, because of social media and the illusion, what I would call the illusion of social media, because I don't think it pans out, and I think it is largely bullshit, and I think most of what you take as social media advertising is traditional marketing in a disguise you know, it is the modern version of those ads where they would show two housewives talking about a cleaning, you know, solution. Clorox
0: the, works great.
4: Yeah, they go, Marge, your kitchen always looks lovely. It's this false conversation between yeah. friends that makes you have the same reaction as seeing two friends talk. Is the same as seeing it on an Instagram post that your friend, you know, puts up because they're paid to put it up there, right? Right. And instead, so they're just using really hot girls that are just famous for being really hot. That's right. That's right, because they'll draw eyeballs and selling the same shit, which, by the way, was the same in the 20s. And you know, and everybody's like, you know, Matthew McConaughey doing car ads or whatever, or voiceovers of certain people, Morgan Freeman are like, "Do you ever listen to 40s radio? Do you ever listen to the Shadow and all in with Orson Welles doing ads for tires to sell the show?" The you know, like they, this is, it's exactly the same. Definitely, they're called soap operas because that's when they used to sell soap to housewives. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and reality shows are now called docu-soaps because they're exactly the same fucking thing. Other than that, I have no opinion. <laughs> not at all? Yeah. yeah. So how,
0: is there anything you're working on these days? What's one what of the new projects?
4: I'm on tour and I'm working on a feature, but I'm not going to talk about the feature because it's, uh, it's early in the process and, and it's one of those things that could be sniped very easily. So I
0: fully appreciate
4: yeah, that. So it's, it, it, I've learned to keep that stuff close to the chest. Um, after I brought the Walking Dead graphic novels to my uh, manager at Brillstein Gray years ago, two years before that contract happened, oh. and and they they were like, oh, I don't see it. Like I now don't, yeah. Don't blame you. I don't, yeah. Don't blame. I don't. I like. I was so I was so loud in that office, and then a manager four uh, offices down was in charge of that deal. Um. So I like.
5: And there's be, nothing yeah. you can do about that. That's, nope.
4: It's miserable. nothing except pat myself on the back for having good taste which is ultimately you know that's a good sign it's like when your jokes get stolen i've had umpteen jokes stolen over the years that have been used on television and other stuff and you go after you can be pissed for so long or you can just go obviously my jokes work on a mass scale and the difference between they can't steal all my jokes and i can keep writing jokes i will always have more because that's my creativity so yeah that's the so but anyways and, and i'm on tour i'm in Hagerstown, Maryland, in a couple weeks, doing stand-up uh, a week from Saturday, the 20th. And then, um, yeah, and then Philadelphia, and then, you know, uh, yeah. I, like I, I'm constantly on the road mixed in with stuff, too, yeah. So are you
0: in, more enjoying the road life being a road comic than you center in town doing a sitcom? Or, N- uh,
4: Well, I, 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 there is no version of stand-up where it all happens in one town. And I'm going to be a stand-up my entire life. So it's a matter of strategically doing it. So when I'm on on a series, for example, I can't really do full weekends, so I can only do one-night theater shows. So when I'm not filming, I t- tend to do more clubs so I can write because you really need to do the shows back-to-back to go, okay, I'm going to try this the ne- in, in the next show tonight and and re- rewire the entire bit. And then you can get it, Structurally, over the course of a weekend, I can write 20 minutes of new material. So, if you know, if I choose to and craft that into what my next hour is in a club audience, not be as worried about bombing. I don't bomb, anyways. I'm never gonna bomb. That's ridiculous. It <laughs> that doesn't happen. It just uh, like a, new people bomb, people who've been doing it for years don't bomb, you know. Like, you always have something. I the rule is always have three hours of material so that when you're doing an hour on stage. If you have three times as much material, you're never going to run out or run into a hole. Most people only bomb because they burn through their material, and they're not quick on their feet. Uh Ah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't don't buy it. At a certain point when you're a stand-up after you've been doing it long enough, bombing is like being a plumber under someone's sink and not understanding where the leak is coming from. Like, of course you fucking know. You know? And if it's you, if you broke the pipes, then call it and figure it out. Right. You know? Adapt
0: your situation yeah. and roll with punches. The
4: only people who bomb these days are people who take on topics they are not comedically capable of dealing with, meaning that they deal with something extraordinary like race or, or sexual assault or uh, like big topics.
0: Politics a- in the a- wrong a- market. Yeah, right?
4: Well, I do, I do redneck and Trump jokes in, I just did them in Huntsville, Alabama. It's not about the where you are. It's the structure that holds the joke up. The heavier the rock, the stronger the foundation you need to hold it up. And if the topic is heavy, you've got to have a really good comedic scaffolding to keep it airborne, to keep it up. If, if you don't, it will collapse. You can't have six shitty jokes holding up a giant boulder of a topic. It's not enough. It just no, isn't. It'll and just that's, fall what, you. that's what most people who bomb are doing. The jokes aren't strong enough for the topic. Well, that is. Other than that, I have no opinion. <laughs>
0: none, none at all. Right. So cool. Awesome. Well, and, Hal, thank you for doing the show.
4: Have me absolutely, and 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 to all those who imbibe, enjoy your uh your you know your your poison of choice, and I hope uh it brings you great joy and you get home safely. I have no judgment about drinking whatsoever on my own personal level. I mean this, like, honestly. I'm I'm uh, I'm for it. I I think it's a sign of a of a strong society when people can. Um, Taiwan on and get home safely, and so I hope that for our society at all times.
0: My personal opinion is i don 't care what you do to your own body as long as you don 't harm anyone else that 's
4: right, absolutely. yeah, completely true. so so peace for
0: our audience that may be unaware, how can they find you on social media
4: at Howl Sparks on twitter it 's really me, and then um, the Howl Sparks, uh Fang page on on uh, uh, Facebook, and then houseparks. TV is my YouTube page. Um, and that's I have a, a Saturdays. Um, I do a political talk show called the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on uh, WCPT in Chicago. It's a terrestrial radio show, old school call-in politics radio show. Um, but I do that every uh, every Saturday, and awesome. we we live stream it on YouTube. So I have a chat room and all that stuff. People can very yeah. cool. Yeah. So like and subscribe, as they say.
0: Definitely right. check out Hal. Check out Hal when it comes to your town.
4: Yes. It'll be or don't in. if you're not if. If you're not funny or you have a real like a shit sense of humor or you're not very bright or you can't figure out Google, don't. It's okay. Stay home. You're it's fine. You're allowed. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell. Thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks a lot.
0: Finally, I got someone to drink with me. How could you what? Yeah, Do you haven't had anybody to drink with you? Not today. Ugh. Oh, well, you should. I've been here since Friday. Oh well, and I <laughs> fucked up. This is my my bad. Actually,
5: I'll... I did my podcast on Friday night, and I listened to it, and I noticed that uh, I got a little drunk towards the end because <laughs> I had uh, I had somebody bringing me double gray gooses all night. Oh, if you want vodka, I got Tito's in the bag too. Oh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll sip a little bourbon. I'm awesome. more of a I'm more of a single malt Scotch guy, but I'll sip a little bourbon. Well, let's uh. Toast to this. Uh, Salut! Thank you for pulling me on. We've oh. never met. No, no, we haven't. My name is Murray Valeriano, which I don't even think you knew. You told me. Anna. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to give you the out on the introduction. I appreciate that. All right. Well, either way, my audience needs to know. So. <laughs> I have to admit, I've admi- I'm hijacking your show now. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I, I, I have enjoyed your metal T-shirts. Why, thank you. I'm not a metal guy. I am a big music fan, music nerd, but I I appreciate the metal, but I never got into it.
0: So what is your genre of music?
5: Oh, boy. Well, I like to think I like everything after I just said I don't like metal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But having said that, I loved Judas Priest growing up. Awesome. And Iron Maiden. Awesome. Uh, For the metal side. Um, I saw your Exodus shirt earlier, which I was very impressed with. Machine head right now.
0: I was wearing a laughable shirt on Friday I had to represent that oh I didn't see that okay all right absolutely
5: um, I'm trying to think there's a band out of Brooklyn anthrax no no recent recent Okay. Um, parlor the parlor mob not familiar. I wish I should have googled that they're really good they're a really good metal band. Uh, know what like. style of metal do you know uh, kind of i don't know I, I don't know. Like I said, my metal is is limited, so I don't know the subgenres outside death metal, black metal, and then after that, I don't know. <laughs> and then and those then are the a- ones everyone knows. And <laughs> then eighties metal, which is what I'm familiar with. Well, mostly
0: thrash at that point.
5: Oh, thrash, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the parlor mob, I don't know how I would put them in. I don't know if they're new metal. I don't know. I did love that metal documentary on VH1 that a guy did. Um, which one? The uh, I don't. There's like nine parts, and they go into okay, okay, the different subgenres, and then the weird. Sweden metal thing that happens all the time. Which oh yeah, you know,
0: the, the crazy black metal where they're burning down churches. And- yeah,
5: absolutely. And the the band that like killed their lead Mayhem. singer, Mayhem. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So ate his brain. Yeah, ate his brain, then put like his finger bones in a necklace or something like yep. that. Now that I don't know, I don't know how you beat that in metal. And he's out of prison now. Oh, really? Reunion oh. tour? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe About the surviving members that he didn't kill. <laughs> it very well may happen. <laughs> Um, I do uh, like to... I, I also co-host... I have the Road Stories podcast, which is comedians telling stories, but I also co-host Rock Solid, which is a music and comedy podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Anyone... Uh,
0: who would you say is your favorite artist that you've had on there recently? Uh, on which one? On the With the musicians.
5: Uh, well, it's funny because it's time to co It's not officially mine. Pat Francis is, hosts it. Okay. Um, uh, so I... I I I, I, the joke is I never get to be on when the artist (laughs) we have artists on so um, but um, he's kind of an '80s his style of music is Journey and uh, all that stuff so he's had a lot
0: of the arena rock
5: yeah he's definitely arena rock guy so he's had a lot of those guys but um, we had uh, the one I did get to host with was uh, one of my favorite drummers who I am uh, blanking on his name right now that put me on the spot Aaron is it Aaron no. Oh shit! I forget. I'm gonna have <laughs> to Google it right now. I know, I know. And plus, oh, I'll we'll pour, all some, like pour we'll some more bourbon. Pour some more bourbon. Pour some more bourbon. I gotta Google his name. This is ridiculous. I'm forgetting, his name. Um, but what we do is we pick a, take a topic, and uh, we find the songs that follow that topic. That's awesome. So, and we we do. It's rock solid. But I like to bring in hip hop and uh, metal and whatever I can bring in, as opposed to just the arena rock that Pat brings in. Now, I say just, but he's yeah, that so,
0: he prefers.
5: Yeah, yeah, that he prefers. But we've had guests like, and it's all in his wheelhouse, like uh, Melissa Etheridge and um, some throwback to the 80s, uh, like Wang Chung. And
0: Oh, that'd be awesome.
5: Yeah, the Wang Chung was on there. They played a couple songs, which is great. He had Weird Al at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. That's fucking amazing. He had um, Sammy Hagar. Very cool. So you could get some decent. Uh, Kenny Aronoff, the drummer, sorry. No problem. All right. Sorry. He's just a huge session drummer. He, he's mostly for playing with John Cougar Mellencamp. Oh, very cool. But he's an amazing drummer. Very cool. That is fucking awesome. I got to check out that show. He should. I highly recommend I was a fan of that show before I got asked to co-host
0: it, so I highly recommend it. For me, musicians are some of my favorite guests to have on. Oh, really? Yeah. They always have great stories from their time on the road. Sure. We just had uh, Dino from Fear Factory on. Oh, awesome. A couple weeks ago, and Dino told a bunch of stories that he was made sure to preface with this happened before i was married oh
5: i tell that's a lot of my stories also (laughs) i'm being a comedian on the road (laughs) this before i was married and had a child (laughs) preface it uh it's funny because i do the road stories and i do have musicians on like i had greg from circle jerks and bad religion on awesome and uh so it's all it's always funny to because hear comedians complain about the road when they're out four days at a time and they're like greg's like I was in a van for eight months. <laughs> like, right. you, can't com- you, can't cold- you can't compare world stories to me, man. And I had a drug addiction.
0: Right. Especially when those bands are starting out and it's six dudes in a bus. Oh, or absolutely. A van. Absolutely. Yeah.
5: Yeah, just going all over America or Europe or what, wherever. Showering in truck stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Comics generally get hotel rooms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. well, we showered in truck stops, too. But we generally, we generally get the sketchy hotel rooms that there's still like maybe a chalk line of a
0: murder in there. And a sketchy hotel room was like the weirdest thing you've ever come across in a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, well,
5: I this wasn't on the road. This was in town here, and uh, we, were, we were. I was working on a, a TV pilot with Howie Mandel, and I don't know if you know about Howie Mandel. His germaphobia? Absolutely, <laughs> man. And he came into this hotel, it was on Sunset Boulevard, and it was one of those... It was probably right by my apartment. Okay. <laughs> and, then, you know, probably... and he came in, and he was just like, I'm going to trust that you guys are getting what we need for this, and turned around and walked out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know how he would survive if he wasn't famous. Like how do you make it through the world being that germophobic? I don't know. And he is the
5: original fist bump guy. He, yeah, uh, out of out of complete neurosis, not out of being cool. He like he never blew it up or anything after he fiz- he was just, just like literally that that guy who doesn't wanna talk you know, it's always been that way.
0: I wonder if he still uses condoms with his wife.
5: <laughs> I would I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> No bodily fluids. Right. <laughs> After he steamed them down. He pulled them out of the package and I'm just going to clean this off, honey, and then we'll, we'll get to it. Don't lose the mood. <laughs> uh, we have uh, uh, similar, not similar friends. We have mutual friends. Yeah, we have some mutual friends. We just talked about it.
0: Yeah. Sam Tripoli. Good friend of mine. Love Sam. He's great. Hosted the AVNs. Yeah, he, um, last year he did a, he did a show with Brett Rossi at the L.A. Comedy Club at the Stratosphere during ABN. Okay, now who's Brett Rossi? She is Charlie Sheen's ex-girlfriend and a oh, porn okay. star. Okay, yeah, she made headlines for when the whole Tiger Blood is sure, absolutely. Broke, okay, I know who you're that talking she about. didn't know about it. Okay, and she was engaged to him.
5: Oh, okay. All right, now I, I'm I'm a fan of porn. I just don't know the actors and actresses. I didn't. I don't get into it that deep most people don't i know i know i know I sound like oh i don't No, i do i'm f- completely filthy and dirty <laughs> there's a horrible side to me that i don't like to let people know so yes but i just don't know well, I mean, I'm, gonna I pull, a few. I'm gonna pull
0: a picture of my co-host then and see if you've seen her naked or not oh, okay
2: I,
5: I like how this podcast is going already <laughs> Even if I haven't seen her naked, I'm about to see her naked. Oh no, I, I don't have any nudes of her. Oh, well then, I don't like the way this podcast
0: is going at all. Oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get them. I'll get them. I promise. Oh, right. <laughs> what was her name? Annie Cruz. Annie Cruz. Yep. Mm. She has been in. She's been on the industry for. A What's her years. Uh, genre? Everything. Oh, okay.
5: So she's not like MILF or she's not. Uh, hey, hey, how you doing? No, no, I wouldn't say that. It's a Um, fan of mine as I'm talking about porn, by the way. Awesome. (laughs) She'd be the one on my left in the Punisher T-shirt. May I hold this? Of course. Of course, Punisher T-shirt. I have to blow it up because I'm going blind. Annie Cruz? Oh, that's the right. Sorry.
0: No, that would be her. That was her in the Punisher. It was my left. Wait. Oh, okay. This one or the The other other one? The other one. I know I'm surrounded by women. You can't tell. Oh,
5: I don't know. She said, Can I see her vagina? See if I recognize yeah, that? Let's, okay.
0: let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Another comedian, the first time we he met her, was like, this is the first time I've ever seen you where you weren't squirting. You said that right to her face.
5: Oh, so well, we found her genre yeah. <laughs> when I asked.
0: <laughs> she does it all. That's I like, right. don't want to pigeonhole her. Sure. No, squirting. no,
5: no. Pigeonhole, I think, is another genre of porn, isn't it? <laughs> it might just be. Now, here's the funny thing, which I don't know if you guys talked about this. Uh, a, a few porn stars have... Uh, N- moved over into doing stand-up. Have you talked about that? Yeah. We okay. actually
0: just had Sylvia Sage on. She does mics around town now. Okay. Uh, Missy Martinez just performed at the Ice House on Friday.
5: <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't get a spot there on Friday. I got bumped for Missy
0: Martinez. <laughs> Talk to Red Band on that one. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Who? Um, who's... Th- now, I am a fan... Uh, the one like girl I am a fan of uh, started doing stand-up. And uh, her name is Anna not- Anna, Annika, Annika Albright? What was it? Annika Albright? No, no. It's like Analia and Ah, oh. I told you I don't know the names. But it was one of those where I've been, I watched her stuff. <laughs> and my wife, is, my wife is on the road a lot because she works in movies. So this is when I do my porn thing. And then all of a sudden she showed up on Jim Norton's show doing stand-up. I was like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, let's see. Well, here's her Wikipedia page. Oops. Oh. Uh, my calls. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I know her. Uh, I'm Let me see I if know. I can find her vagina for you. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't mind.
5: I know. I don't need to. I'm. I'm also texting with my wife right now. As you're offering me to look at her vagina, so I'm feeling really weird. Huh. Yeah, that's all right. It's a listen. good weird. She hasn't right? doesn't, doesn't listened to my podcast, so I doubt she'll listen to yours. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! I know that kind of came out mean. That kind of came out. no, and she doesn't like metal either. So, does she like drinking?
0: She used to before we had a kid. Oh, man. I thought that's what happens after the kid is you start drinking. That's what the dads do. Oh.
5: <laughs> hungover, I'm going to be hungover dad at kindergarten tomorrow. It's, <laughs> Anna, I got to find this girl. I'm sorry. This is terrible podcasting. As we Google <laughs> porn stars.
0: Uh, Analia Flores? No, that's not her. I'm trying to think who else is doing comedy these days. because. I don't know
5: why I'm whispering that. <laughs> yeah. so, she has huge knockers. You sure it's not Missy? It's not. No, it's not Missy. I.
0: Yeah. I'm it's trying just, to think who else would be doing comedy. She's out in. I think she's doing it out in oh, New, New York. Oh,
2: okay.
5: I think she's out in New York because she's on Jim Norton's show. Hmm. Uh, so this is gonna kill me. You know, what I'm gonna remember when I stumble her, uh, onto her on the Sweet That's my porn site. I go to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you paying
0: for your porn? No,
5: oh. it's a horrible.
0: Oh, oh, really? It's horrible. You're one of those. Yeah, I, I believe supporting my friends' IP.
5: No, okay, and I didn't mean you're one of those as in a judgment <laughs> judgmental thing. I'd like to think I paid for porn when my dad used to beat me when he found a Playboy. So that's <laughs> that's how I like to think I paid for my porn because I grew up in a Christian household. <laughs> my dad was a preacher, so he would beat me up. But it was his Playboy, wasn't it? Ah! <laughs> Ah! Yeah, I am gonna be your friend from now on. <laughs> that was fantastic.
0: <laughs> Playboy's not pornography, come on.
5: It was in the eighties in a Southern Baptist Christian household. He read it
0: for the articles. Right.
5: Which makes me, you know, now that Heff has passed, it because all right, you know the do you know the artist Ruben? Who painted the the really heavy set women? I probably remember yeah, yeah. The Renaissance, right? Like the pin pinup style, right? No, no, this is like Renaissance oh, era. Oh, okay, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm no, no, sorry. Right. Um, like, why isn't why is he lauded as a great artist? But Hef is a pornographer when he's just showing the same woman. This, you know what I mean? Maybe in a hundred years, Hefner will be a be a, a, a lauded artist.
0: One could hope. Yeah, yeah, one could hope. And the thing about it is. Now that have died, a lot of women have come out and decried a lot of things that he's did you know, in treating his girlfriends. Sure. I guess he essentially managed them. And But if they're in a sugar daddy, sugar baby relationship, they've signed up for this. Right. I, I don't see what the problem is. If they wanted out, they could have left.
5: Sure. And they did leave eventually. Yeah, yeah. Most of them. The all girls right.
0: next door, like all three of them. They all left? They all left. Okay. But the, thing, the things Heff did through the course of his career for civil rights, he did so much good. He might have done a little bad from oh, sure. people's eyes, but the amount of good, the fact
5: that... The fact that he, he was bringing uh, uh, Nipsey Russell on his
0: TV show. Yeah, and, or and Miles and, Davis. Oh, or, yeah, and the black people who could, could not get work yeah. he brought on. I was just watching a documentary, and Ella show like, the Playboy Club was the first club I ever played where I didn't have to walk through the kitchen. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's amazing.
5: That is amazing. You
0: know, and those were crazy times. Sure. They published Malcolm X when he said, don't trust the white devil. Like, right, his right. interview is very inflammatory. Sure. They published Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Half should be lauded just for those achievements.
5: Absolutely. Listen, we all... We've all done questionable stuff. Constantly. Hopefully. I record it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we all do good also to counteract that questionable stuff. Hopefully. All right. I'm not dead yet. Okay. All right. Well, Down I the road, I'll... I, like I said, I just met you. I didn't realize how horrible you were. <laughs> <laughs> not that horrible. All right. I don't have a criminal record. Uh, well, see. so yeah. I do. <laughs> and I'm the married guy with the kid and the Christian upbringing.
0: Can you tell the audience what for? No. Nope.
5: Okay. But it's public record. You can look it up. <laughs> so Let's just say a lot of things can
0: be considered a weapon. No. <laughs> oh, no. Do I have to get ready to you know, duck and dodge? <laughs>
5: say the wrong thing? Right. I haven't always been the nice guy you see before you. Let's just put it that way. Hey, these things happen. These <laughs> things happen. I'm sure it probably happened on the road somewhere. <laughs> so who's your favorite metal band as I hijack your show again? Hey, it's okay. This is...
0: An organic conversation. It's okay. Not a, this that's that's how I run my show. It's very organic. This isn't an interview. I, I don't have a list of questions. Okay, yeah, I mean either when I do my show also. So, um, hmm. Well, the namesake, um, I'm Matt Slayer, so obviously I'm the namesake Slayer. Sure, absolutely. But, And somebody from Slayer died last year? Uh, Hanneman died in 2014. Oh, has it been that long? Yeah, okay. he died. I should know this. I got tattooed the day he died. Okay. I went and got a Slayer tattoo on my calf the day he died. Did okay. you happen
5: to get the date tattooed? I we did could, not. We could settle this <laughs>
0: conversation no. real quick. Oh, no. here, let me look at my knee. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm going to get a Slayer tattoo on the day Hanneman died. I was in oh. Dallas. I actually okay. got it at Elm Street Tattoo, which is the famous Dallas tattoo shop where like the guys from Pantera got a lot of their mm-hmm. work done. So, okay. They almost didn't tattoo me. I walked in like an hour and a half before they closed, and they're like, our black and gray girl is going to see Iron Man 2. Can you come back tomorrow? I'm like, no, Hanuman died today. Right. And they circle up, and I'm like, they're going to fuck me on the price right now. Sure, of course. They're huddle, huddle, huddle to, like, $125. i am like, are you fucking kidding me? Done.
5: Oh, is that, is, that, is that cheap for a tattoo? Yeah. Having not been tattooed myself. and Yeah, that is
0: for a very reputable shop. Okay. For a walk-in. That is a very reasonable price. Oh, okay. Price. All right. Like, to give you an example, this tattoo on... The inside of my bicep was one fifty. Oh, okay. And there's no work on that versus
5: as I'm getting naked for you. No, yeah, that's well uh, we talked porn. Let's go. That was one twenty five? That was one twenty five. Oh my god. I don't know anything about tattoos and I would charge you much more. <laughs> that's so much more intricate
0: than yeah, the exactly. one that costs one fifty on yeah. your bicep. But that was also a rip-off shop in Chicago. Alright, but still what is the bicep tattoo? It says, luck favors the backbone, not the wishbone.
5: <laughs> God damn it. Yeah.
0: So my left arm is actually all quotes. Oh, is it is? Yeah, it's luck favors the backbone, not the wishbone. History is written by the victors. And paranoia is just reality on a finer scale.
5: Don't wonder your are friends with Tripoli. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds so like him.
0: <laughs> the third one's actually a quote from a movie. So, Oh, what's the movie? Strange Days.
5: Stranger Days? Strange Days. Yeah. Strange
0: Days, I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, written by James Cameron, directed by Catherine Bigelow, stars Ralph Fiennes, Tom Sizemore, Juliette Lewis. I'm sorry, stars who? Tom Sizemore, Ralph Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes, yeah. That's all I wanted sorry. to know. I never saw Strange Days.
5: It's... And it, James Cameron?
0: Uh, written by Cameron, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who did... Uh, Hurt Locker. Right.
5: Won the, won the Oscar and was able to flip off Cameron in the audience. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. This is when
0: they were still married, so that's why he wrote it. Okay. Okay. And it's... Takes place in New Year's Eve nineteen ninety nine. Okay. When it was written in like the mid nineties, so their idea of sure. ninety nine LA is kinda accurate. <laughs> but Ray Fines plays a drug dealer who sells other people's memories. Oh interesting. Is it quality? Do you think should it, I, I, it's a decent, It's I, enough to get tattooed on your on your arm, so yes. I love the line. I love Okay. I love there's definitely some nineties cheesiness to it. Sure, absolutely. But the rest of the film is still very solid. Okay. It's kind of a Thriller uh-huh. yeah, it's, a, it's a thriller Okay And Rafe plays a Guy who sells He's a former cop Who sells Clips of other people's memories that Okay they, Like he'll pay people to record them. Oh interesting And then they sell them like drugs Okay His best friend is another former yeah. cop Who's a P.I. He's obsessing about Juliette Lewis' character Who left him for a music executive And it all Is around a murder that happens Okay I know an interesting fact about Juliette Lewis. I'm definitely all ears. Do you know who her
5: dad was? No. Did you ever see the Clint Eastwood movies uh, Any Which Way You Can or Any Which Way But Loose? Yes. Where he played the Street Fighter? Yeah. His buddy, the I forget his name, is Juliette Lewis's father. Oh, shit. I didn't know she was a dynasty. Yeah, she's a dynasty. <laughs> well, good on her. Oh Yeah, absolutely. The only Strange Days movies I saw was the documentary on The Doors. Nice, very nice. Um, so, any good uh, metal documentaries I should watch? Hmm. Do you consider Rush a metal band? Hell no! Okay. Hell no! I love it. <laughs> hell no!
0: Absolutely, who in the right mind would? <sighs> that, really? I. There are people who do that. Who? Where? <laughs> <laughs> are, nobody we want to talk to. I mean, are they? Have they been hit in the head? <laughs> are they on copious amounts of drugs? <laughs> Seriously, what's wrong with these people? I
5: know. There are people who consider a metal, a metal. I've heard them on metal radio shows. I'm like, they're not metal.
0: I mean, maybe Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius. Like, that's <laughs> kind of like the hard rock station. Right, right. I wouldn't even consider Rush hard rock. No, I agree. They're prog rock, right? Yeah. Absolutely. 100% prog rock. Absolutely. Metal. metal. That's almost as bad as Metallica losing the goddamn Grammy.
5: To uh, Ian, an- uh, Ian Anderson and uh, Jeff Tull. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. I was,
0: I was at a loss for Jeff Tull. That's like, okay. On the tip of my god, I had to party. go. I had to go through
5: Ian Anderson to get to Jeff Tull, So I'm with you. And I can't even think of the girl uh, who porn star. The only one I know that I like.
0: Yeah, and I can't even think of How her. How many name. loads you've dropped to her? You <laughs> can't remember her goddamn name.
5: Seriously, It's disrespectful. I know. I apologize, and I will send her an email. Just have her open for you if she's doing comedy. <laughs> I don't. I'm sure I the wife I, would love that. I don't. Yeah, my <laughs> wife would love that. And I don't know if I want to do stand-up with a boner, to be honest with
0: you. <laughs> Your audience would get a new experience. A different yeah, show every absolutely. night. <laughs> now, did you see,
5: I, know, I apologize. And we've just met, and we haven't listened to each other's shows. So I apologize if we're going over topics that you've discussed. Of course. Um, have you, Where are you on the uh, Anvil documentary?
0: I have not watched it and it's in like it's cute to
5: be watched. I You have not watched it? I have not watched okay, it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, listen, I listen, I'm not I I judge not. So,
0: oh, it's okay to judge a little. <laughs> All right. It's okay. <laughs> All right. I, I won't lose any sleep over it. I okay. promise. All
5: right. Well, maybe uh, a little sleep. Have you seen the Quiet Do- Quiet Riot documentary? That I have. Okay, where are you on Quiet Riot? I love Quiet Riot. Okay. Awesome. Well, I would figure that Giving your attire and your and the, the metal you've repped that you might be anti quiet right for launching the hair band the hair metal no, scene. I, that's the thing. Like I'm a big metal head, but I also have super eclectic taste in music. Okay, great.
0: Like so do I as I say I don't like metal and then talked about it for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I enjoy hair metal. Like if you went through my phone right now, you'll find Lana Del Rey, Oh, will you'll, okay. you'll find Chicago House music, you'll find all sorts of stuff. One of my favorite nights when I used to live in Chicago was this night called Dusty Grooves at a bar I used to go to called Cobra Lounge. Uh-huh. And every Thursday night was Rockabilly, Duop, and Soul. Oh, wow. And I would religiously be there. Oh, great. It also doesn't hurt that there'd be a bunch of really cute girls there dancing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that Rockabilly look on the, the modern Rockabilly look
5: oh. on the girl, on the ladies. Excellent. Magnifique. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was hmm. trying to think of the best. Like the... Best metal doc I've seen. Because I'll watch any music documentary. I don't, oh. I don't care. Um, so, but I'm trying to think of the best metal doc. I don't know. What's your best
0: music doc? Oh, the be- oh well, no, now Here's a
5: uh, here's a here's a debate that's been going around for a long time that I like to think I started. Is it a rock, Is it a music doc or is it a concert? There's a difference between a concert film and a and a rock doc.
0: A rock doc. Shows more behind the scenes. Yes. Limited stage time. Like maybe Absolutely. them walking on stage, not Absolutely. actual performance.
5: Absolutely. Now the only like, kind of uh, asterisk to that would probably be uh, The Last Waltz from the band. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I am not. All right. The band was, uh, they, they, they backed Bob Dylan for a very long time, and then they became their own band, and they just called themselves The Band because they are always with Bob Dylan. And they threw this great final concert in like 72 or something like that. Actually, Cheryl from Movies Made Me podcast would probably know all this. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and then they threw this great uh, documentary and last concert thing. So that's kind of like the meeting ground of a, of a rock duck versus concert film. And Scorsese directed it. Well, that's awesome. And they had everybody, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, uh, Van Morrison. It's fantastic. You should check it out. I will. Sorry? The Last Waltz, yes. The Last Waltz. I will
0: definitely check that out. Is absolutely. it on
5: Netflix? Probably. Probably. So there's a difference between a rock doc and a concert film. Definitely. So, I mean, oh,
0: I've seen many concert films, but it's just like, okay, I'm watching a band play. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But, now,
5: rock docs, I love, I love the aforementioned Rush's, uh, I forget what it's, uh, what's it called? Beyond the Gilded Stage or something like that. I like that one. Uh, Foo Fighters had a great one called Back and Forth. A very small one. It wasn't like even...
0: I didn't even hear about that one. Yeah, yeah. You, well, and Dave Grohl just did his whole like rock talk thing on HBO last... Was that last year or two years The, the eight.
5: Yeah, the eight uh, Over the album. Yeah, you know, this is actually before that. Sonic The Island. other album. And it kind of chronicles their... It chronicles from where Kurt Cobain died. No, it actually goes back to when he was with Scream. Oh, wow. So So back in D.C.? Yeah, yeah. So it goes from when he was with Scream all the way up to the album before that. That's a really good one.
0: Speaking of Dave Grohl, just sidetrack. Sure. Are you aware of ProBot? ProBot? No, I am not. So it was Dave Grohl's side project where he took all his favorite metal vocalists and made an album with each one of them doing a different track. Oh, really? Yeah. When did that come out? Early 2000s. No, but I'm going to get that. I'm going to look for that when I get home, right? He arranged and wrote most of the music, played most of the instruments in Uh the studio. But he got Lemmy from Motorhead, Max Cavalier from Sepultura. Sure. uh, Tom G. Warrior from Celtic Cross. Like, it was all his favorite metal vocalists. And then wrote a track for them and performed it with them. Oh, it's Probot?
5: Probot. I'm texting myself this. I apologize right now because I want to check this out. It's a phenomenal album. Oh, that is great. I'm so looking forward to that, man. I tell you what, I... uh, Who doesn't like Dave Grohl? You know what? Honestly. And I never listened to the Foo Fighters, but I've seen them live four times, and they are fantastic. Really? Yeah. They are fantastic. I I was a big police fan, but they were a little ahead of my time, so I never got to see the police. So when they did that reunion tour for money, I I paid top dollar, got like fourth row at Dodger Stadium, and the Foo Fighters opened. And it was, let's just say it was the only time the Foo Fighters opened for them on that tour. Oh. (laughs) Because the Foo Fighters blew the roof off of Dodger Stadium, which is an open air stadium. <laughs> so, what is your thoughts on small shows versus big shows like that? What's your preference? I obviously, I, obviously, I prefer a small show. Um, it, it also depends on the on the uh, band. Now, you being a metalhead, I'm about to say something which might make you just delete this whole conversation. My favorite band is you, too. Yeah, I know. All right, I'll I'll show myself out. <laughs>
0: Apple gave me AIDS. <laughs> Apple gave me AIDS over your fucking band. I'm calling them your fucking band now. Uh, you can call them my fucking band. <laughs> fucking phone AIDS. I, all right, that's fine. But here's, here's I've still my, heard about that phone AIDS. Here's my problem with that.
5: Like I think uh, Kanye West is the biggest douchebag on the face of the planet. I would never buy an anything from him. But if he gave me a free music in my iTunes, I'd listen to it. And if I didn't like it, I'd delete it. Yeah, they wouldn't let you delete
0: it at first. You had to download an app to delete it. Yeah, there is that part. (laughs) Like, out of protest, I'm like, nope, nope, not (laughs) fucking listening. (laughs) No, I I like the Joshua Tree. Okay, sure. I I like old YouTube. Sure. But, you know, what was it? Zoo or... Zoo TV. Yeah, Yeah. Zoo TV. Like, that era on, it's just got
5: never got into it. Really? That's where you dropped off? Yeah. That's so funny because that's where I really picked up. Okay, and I, I know. Listen, you're not. I'm, listen, I've had this conversation before uh, with me. Was, no, was, no, was I drunk? Just other people. I've I blacked out in conversations before. I, I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> no, I know. I'm. Uh, I'm know glad I'm, we have the mic this time. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority in that, but uh, but like for like, that's really the only band I could think of that I would s- that I still do see in a huge or like I like the Kings of Leon a lot, but I'm not gonna go to the fucking forum and see them. I'd see them at the Wiltern. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, but I'm not gonna go to Kings of Leon. But also Kings of Leon, I don't know if you're listening. You don't need a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) They had a documentary out a few years ago. Didn't need it. You're not. You're not. You're not documentary level yet,
0: buddy. Do you miss Behind the Music? I do. I really like that show a lot. I I miss. Why did they cancel that? How could that show not be popular? Well, I don't know.
5: (laughs) Well, kind of. Well, if you think about what makes (laughs) what made uh, uh, Behind the Music great was all the drugs and. In fighting and sex between the bands and crimes. And then, as we've gotten into our PC culture, the drugs and sex and crimes have gotten away. So, nobody really wants to hear about the Jonas Brothers. You know what <sighs> I mean? Oh, come on.
0: The Jonas Brothers are definitely having some scandalous sex.
5: Well, well maybe over the last few years, but nobody, you know, nobody wants to hear about, hey, we got together, started a band, and everything went great. Roll credits. Hansen, you hear, woo. Yeah. You want to hear. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 cliffhanger commercial come back and then everything goes to hell. Fucked them out of money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's that's why I, maybe that they're just running out of great stories. What, what is the state of rock and roll? Now we gotta have some more alcohol. Absolutely. No, no, listen, I am I am uh, I am all about why wouldn't you? If you're if you're a rock star, it's the only time when drugs are acceptable. Like why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. I don't. Know. I, have a, I have a whole track on my album about that. My last album, and I, and unfortunately, I cite uh, Scott Whalen, who uh, unfortunately died a year after that. So it's kind of weird when you come onto that track. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I can
5: imagine. I'm sure, for his friends and family, that's a little sore spot. Right, 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 right. But uh, I had no idea. I probably should have saw it coming, but I had no idea. I'm sure everyone kind
0: of saw it coming.
5: Yeah, you when I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a. I mean, there's a price to pay for. Being the drug addict rock star.
0: Not everyone could be Keith Richards or
5: Lemmy. Right. That's what I say about heroin. You can do heroin, but let's just let just factor in the fact. We only got one exile on Main Street out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody else died a horrible death. So yeah. maybe not. You know, Maybe just balance the numbers before you start doing heroin. And get a really reliable dealer who you know, brings you quality stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Oh, during exile, man, did... There was a good uh, documentary on them recording Exile on Main Street, and the amount of heroin they did and was getting shipped to that house in England was unfathomable. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah.
0: The fact that any of those guys are still alive. They are an anomaly. Listen. All the, almost all the Beatles are dead. Most of the Rolling Stones are alive. Yeah. <laughs> that is an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Half we, the Beatles are dead, yes. Oh, no. here's Here's it's out something of it's what? Just, it's just Ringo left. Oh no, Paul's there too. I guess. Yeah, okay. unless you believe the conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
5: absolutely. Sixty-nine. If right, right? right on the on
0: the car on right. the. Right.
5: Yeah, I think Tripoli covered that on his. Uh, on, uh, 12 uh, hat, Yeah. Um, I'm a big Beatles fan, also, by the way. So I don't know if you want to actually delete this twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: it's okay. It's okay.
5: I, I, I allow was... for other people's tastes. Sure. I was gonna say something about the Rolling Stones and the yeah. Beatles thing there. I, can't. I, I, I blanked on it. I forget what it was. Exile on Main Street, heroin. I don't know. A lot I'm of heroin being like, shipped to the Stones. Yeah. I, oh yes, absolutely. A lot of heroin shipped to the Stones. God, who? Maybe, oh, I read an I, I read an article a long time ago about what what music would be like in the future in twenty years from now. And the last one was like, we'd realized Keith Richards has been dead for twenty years. We just never knew it. <laughs>
0: I think the same joke was made about Lemmy until he actually died. Right,
5: right. I used to see Lemmy up on uh, when I'd go to the Rainbow when I first moved to town, yeah, which I just, would, be, uh, just video poker. Video yeah, absolutely. Poker. And when I went in the first time, because I didn't really know, I was like, "Oh my God, that's Lemmy." That's. A-. By the way, again, did I mention I don't like metal, but I love Motorhead? Uh, <laughs> Lemmy said multiple
0: times, "Motorhead is not a metal band; they
5: play rock and roll." Yeah, they're rock. They're very rockabilly influenced. Absolutely. But I remember P- the first time I went Punk in there. influence too. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of fact, there's a. Uh, uh, track on P- Pearl Jam's last album, which is such a ripoff of Motorhead. I think it's called Mind Your Manners. It is like, I'm like, oh, did Lemmy write this right before he died? It was such a ripoff of, of a, a Motorhead tune. Ooh.
0: I don't think that's a good look for them.
2: No,
5: I don't think so. Where are you on Pearl Jam?
2: Uh, Where are
0: you? All right, let's I, go. I, I owned Vitology back in the day. Okay. I owned 10. Sure. But beyond that, no. Yeah, me too. We're in the whole
5: Seattle wh- from that blast of. Alice in Chains. Me too. Alice and Chains, absolutely, 100%. 100%. Favorite Alice and Chains album? EPs count. EPs count. EPs I was going to, because I was going uh, uh, to, Sap is probably my favorite. Jar Flies for me. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Maybe it's Jar Flies. Rotten Apple, no excuses. Yes, it's Jar Flies. I yeah. apologize. Yes, it is. Like, Jar Flies is on my desert island. Mm hmm. He had such an amazing voice, and with Jerry Cantrell's
0: uh, guitar playing, uh, it amazing. What a "Rotten again, Apple" is one of my favorite tracks, and it's just so goddamn haunting. Oh, well, absolutely, absolutely. I don't even know how that song didn't get radio play. I know they pushed "No Excuses," they um, and they pushed "I Stay Away." Right, right. But "Rotten Apple" is honestly my track on that album. Oh, the whole yeah. thing's completely. I think it's great. Um, and again, well, that, hey, hello, heroin.
5: Uh, that poor guy. Dead for two weeks before they found him? And he weigh, they said he weighed 140. I weigh 180. And we're about the same size. And that's that's a skeleton, man. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. so horrible. What a horrible, horrible death.
0: That's like a UFC fighter at, at the weight cut.
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get to rehydrate after Yeah, that. sure. They get to live and eat. But apparently he used to just go and sit in the back of the bar around the corner from his house and just nurse... One drink, and everybody, I don't know. I don't know. It was just, it's just a crazy, crazy death.
0: It's a crazy death, death, and when you get to that level of fame, it's got to be isolating.
5: Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, and then there's that also, you you
0: can't tell an addict what to do, I guess. Definitely not. But would they have made that beautiful music if he wasn't an addict? That's the other
5: thing. That's the other thing. You know, are you familiar, you must be, but you're familiar with the comedian Bill Hicks? Yeah, of course. Absolutely, my favorite. Once I found Bill Hicks and I got into the game after he died, I was like, oh, well, we all just tell jokes. He's a comedian. you know, And he's had that great bit about drugs. And if you don't like drugs, burn your
0: record collection. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. 100% true. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's better to burn out than fade away in some cases.
5: Absolutely. You know, uh, Johnny Rotten had a short-lived VH1 TV show. Do you know that? I
0: vaguely remember it.
5: Okay. And he asked Neil Young to come on, and he wouldn't come on. And Johnny I was like, you wrote a fucking lyrics about me,
2: and you won't come on my Chicago.
5: <laughs> I did a, I was in Tijuana at a pill concert, Public, Public Image Limited, I don't know why, I just talked down to you on that, uh, uh, for a video shoot for a I forget the song. Maybe it was "Closer" or something like that. And I, I went down with the crew just to hang out because I knew the the director, and uh, and Johnny and I was there when the director went up to meet Johnny Rotten and said, "Hey, Johnny, I'm director. I'm going to direct your uh, video tonight." And he goes, "So what?"
0: <laughs> I was like, well, I just thought maybe, "Fuck off." Sir, so were you in Tijuana before or after you were married? Ha!
2: This is way before I was married. <laughs>
5: First time I did Speed. Did I mention I'm a preacher's kid? Okay. <laughs> but that was a fantastic concert. They opened with uh, This Is Not A Love Song. Nice. I staged Dove. I didn't get in the video, though. My buddy staged Dove and got in the video. And then they closed with Rise, and that's really all I remember.
0: Sounds like a phenomenal night.
5: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what else I remember? Is he came on, he wa- Johnny uh, Leiden at this point, walked on stage uh, in red Reebok high tops, because this is early 90s. Uh, Red Reebok like vinyl shorts, I guess. (laughs) In a a red uh, Reebok uh, zip-up running jacket, all same color, holding a surfboard with his face spray painted on it.
0: That's ridiculous.
5: It was so ridiculous. It was awesome.
0: That is so 90s ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, the 90s. What were people thinking wearing (laughs) that shit? I mean, you look back at the 80s and go, what the fuck were people thinking? You look back at the 70s, what the fuck were people thinking? Sure. I'm sure in 10 years people will look back and like, what the fuck were you guys doing? Oh, thinking? absolutely. Absolutely. But puka shells and fucking pants that, yo, 24 inch fucking <laughs> cuffs. Like, what <laughs> <Right>. the fuck? <laughs> absolutely. What the fuck were we thinking? Absolutely. It's,
5: it's all cyclical. All well, si- sir, I hate to call this short. Oh. But I, I know, man. But I got to get home. My, my wife is. Uh, my wife's a costume designer for movies, and she's on location for like the next four months. So a lot of porn for you. Yeah, exactly. That's why I know all that stuff we talked about earlier. So well, hopefully you'll learn her name in the next four months. I know. I feel so bad. I gotta Google. it. I'm gonna get off Google it, and I'm gonna make you record again just so I can give <laughs> this girl props. <laughs> I feel so bad. Just it's
0: text Norton. Be like, who's who's the big Tate girl?
5: I know. I should. I, 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 and and Ellie and and are you gonna edit this? I'm sorry. I am sorry uh, uh, A little bit maybe. Okay. I am so sorry. I can't figure out Anna. An I don't know. I'm doing any kind of ANN cuz it's a weird spelling of a regular name like of if your name was Matt it would be M R K S. You know, I don't know how Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember her name. Well, I haven't seen her in a while, so I think she stopped.
0: Oh, that's that's a shame.
5: don't well, no, maybe well she got into the lucrative world of uh,
0: stand up. <laughs> so doesn't sam have a whole bit about that about about what porn stars leaving that comedy is a lower tier of entertainment than porn that porn stars that sounds like him keep leaving porn to do comedy that
2: sounds like him
0: (laughs) it's like oh yeah that's kind of right right i think i'll be with sam drew uh my uh
5: podcast the road stories podcast uh that sam's been on a thousand times uh is part of the all things comedy network and so is sam's uh, so we're doing the big uh, All Thanks Comedy Comedy Festival in Phoenix coming up next month.
0: Why in Phoenix? Why? I don't know. I didn't ask why Phoenix. Phoenix is literally the worst place on earth. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Hold on. I toured the Middle East doing stand up last year. I might have to Okay, they're dry countries. That that's that's okay, probably Thank worse. you.
0: In America. <laughs> okay. All
5: right. I've never been to Phoenix, so
0: Oh, it's all the bad parts of Vegas with none of the good. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a lot of bad parts. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, blistering desert, strip malls, subdivisions, no gambling. Right. And, well, Sheriff Joe's out now, but a lot of his policies are still there. You get a DUI there, you get to live in a tent city with pink underwear for a little while. Oh, that's right. That's right. Jeez. The only, only redeeming part about Phoenix for a Chicago native such as myself is- Oh, you're a Chicago guy. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of Chicago, like, chains down there. There's Giordano's Pizza, there's okay. Lou Malnati's, there's Portillo's. So I Now, now I grew up in New Jersey, so I can't get behind
5: you on the pizza thing.
0: I understand. Okay. All right. Actually, what you should try next time you're in Chicago. I or, do the Chicago Improv a lot. Okay, cool. Which is, which is actually not in Chicago. Yeah, it's Schaumburg. in Schaumburg. <laughs> I used to go there a lot like when I lived in Chicago. Okay, great. I actually just told a bunch of my friends to go see Bert there in like two weeks.
5: Oh, absolutely. I'm hoping... I'm hoping to get Bert on my podcast at the Phoenix Festival.
0: I have not approached him yet. I grabbed him on Friday, and
5: we're going to do a full show of this. Oh, awesome. Once he's drinking again. And I'm putting my hand over my mouth in hopes that nobody hears this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Bert starts listening to this. So, <laughs>
0: okay, Bert's been on my show.
5: He's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was just bad timing. It's like, you're doing Sober October and uh, I actually can sit down with you? Like, right. God damn it. I know, right? This show's about drinking.
5: That's the other thing, too, that's at the end of October, and he's still going to be in Sober October.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I don't know. We'll see. It won't be as much fun. I know. I know. What you should do is like go to one of the Chicago chains and get the thin crust. It's, oh, and, okay, because I only had the deep dish. Like Giordano's does a really good thin crust. It's like a cracker crust. Right. And they cut in squares. Right. Actually really good. That's okay. what That's what, like, real Chicagoans actually eat on a regular basis. Oh, really? They don't eat the, the deep, deep dish? dish is like, once on a blue moon. Because it's really fucking a lot.
5: Yeah. Because you can't, like, the thing about Jersey and New York is, like, let's go get a slice. You get a slice and you continue on your day. Yeah. You, yeah, you sit down with a deep dish. That's an hour. Yeah.
0: That's, that's an, an hour, hour and a half. With your family. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, Christmas morning. And they got to right. open the present. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Open the present. yeah. But... The thin crust like square cut is really what real Chicagoans eat on a regular basis. Okay. But is it a kind of thin crust where if you don't chew
5: it right, the corner like cuts your neck, your throat as you swallow it? A little bit. All right. It's, it's which still kind, really good. Sometimes I enjoy
0: <laughs> A little masochistic. I think
5: that's actually a, another subgenre of porn. the cut throat <laughs> while you swallow. <laughs> I'm sure I know a girl that does that regularly. <laughs> now, I have a lot of Chicago comedian friends. I don't know if you like I know the old guard. Okay. Like Jimmy Pardo, Mike Siegel, Pat Francis, uh, Paul Gilmartin, who is now Jimmy Dore. I had Jimmy Dore and Paul Gilmartin on my podcast this last week. Awesome. Uh, but I also know the new crew, like Kyle Kinane, who had a pocket. I don't know. Matt Bronger, I'm thinking John Roy, Kamel.
0: Kamel. All those guys. Very, very famous Kamel doing SNL now. I know. He's just got SNL now.
5: Yeah, that's hilarious. So
0: I guess we will actually cut this so you can get to your wife. Or your yeah. porn or whatever or you're going or to. Or whatever.
5: I'm just... I'm hungry. That's why what i want to go around. All well, this pizza talk. I know. Seriously. Yeah.
0: Where do, you, where do you find a good Chicago pizza in Los Angeles? Masa of Echo Park. Okay. 1600 Sunset. Uh,
5: I did the whole Echo Park, uh, Los Feliz, Beachwood, Canyon thing. Now I'm uh, older and married with a child. I live on the west side. I can't associate you with you.
0: Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Hollywood represents. Oh, where are you at in Hollywood? Uh... Pretty much Hollywood Boulevard and the 101. I'm not on the tent, on the overpass. Hold on. Hollywood Boulevard
5: and the 101. Oh, like, where is that? What's. Give me a landmark. The 101? <laughs> idiot.
2: <laughs>
0: it's a pretty big goddamn landmark.
5: By the way, idiot is a compliment for me. Um, uh, give me a, a land, like, a building landmark
0: where the 101 in Hollywood is. Let's see. We have a self-storage
5: place right there. Is it the? Oh, my buddy painted the mural. My old roommate painted the mural on that. Okay. I know exactly because I used to live on Beachwood. Okay. So you're near Argyle. You're near. Not, well, uh, no one's really going to stalk me, but I'm off Bronson. Okay. I lived. I lived on Bronson for a while, and my buddy Joe Sib. Do you know who Joe Sib? Is? I know. Joseph is a, a, a punk rocker. Uh, he's in a band called Wax, L.A. based band called Wax, and they went on. a... Uh, 22 Jacks with Chris Shiflet from Foo Fighters. Okay. Now he runs Side One Dummy Records and he's a comedian also. Their office is right there. Oh, awesome. Yeah.
0: Should just show up with a recorder and be like, yo, podcasting. Dude, he will talk to you anytime you want. Awesome. Let me know. And he. I don't he even ha- have to bring the porn star? No, no, no. He's
5: <laughs> married with. He's like a good old pu- aging punk rocker. He's married with kids and lives in Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave his town out. I apologize, Joe.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they won't be able to find him in. All of Glendale. It's not that small. That's
5: true. It is a big town. Uh,
0: I give like my cross streets, so. (laughs) And that's where we record too, so. Uh, Maybe I have to edit that. (laughs) No, it's been said enough times. Okay, cool. Cool, I I keep telling the Tommies of the landmark, anyways. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So I know you got to run. We probably could do this for hours.
5: Dude, I'm having a blast talking to you. I hope I'm not. No, not a, just we, rambling and hijacking
0: your show. I apologize. No, we need to exchange contact info and do it like a real show. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Well, in the meantime, where can our audience find you?
5: Uh, I am, you can catch my Road Stories podcast, which is just comedians riffing and talking about the crazy shit that happens on the road. You can get that at roadstories.tv or part of the All Things Comedy Network. Or just Google Murray Valeriano and Road Stories. That comes up at uh, Murray V on Twitter. Murray V. Comedy on Instagram and the Facebooks is up there and all that other stuff. Awesome. I I had a blast talking to you tonight. Yeah,
0: no, we got to do this. Like, I'm dead serious. We, I'll hit stop. We'll change numbers. We'll set it up for like a real full show. Absolutely. I'll I'll brush up on my metal docs and uh, it's okay. My co-host isn't a metalhead. You can just brush up on your porn. I'll brush
5: up on my porn, which
0: I'll be doing in an hour. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) all right, from Elliot Podfest, uh, we're out.
5: Thank you very much, man.
0: LA Podcast Day 3 We're sitting down with Sam Levine Star of Not Another Teen Movie <laughs> Yes indeed <laughs> Guilty as charged Awesome So this show is And now we drink So normally we're a long format You know drinking show And yeah. just sitting bullshit But since we have
6: Very limited time for you, Right and I'm a terrible drinker Terrible Terrible like, I have no tolerance
0: Oh well that leads into Our next question which is your favorite drunk story?
6: Oh God, I don't have many of them because I I, I try not to get drunk because it happens very easily, and I'm not a fun drunk. I'm a tired drunk. Oh,
0: that's the worst.
6: It's... I see. This is it's important to know what your strengths and weaknesses are Definitely. in life. And a weakness for me is smoking and drinking. It's not. It's. I have no happy stories. <laughs> um. I guess the only the only even remotely funny like drunk memory that I have. Uh. And it, I may or may not have been underage at the time. Uh, yeah, I was 19. And um, oh, this it wasn't your bar mitzvah. It was not my bar mitzvah or my bris. Um, oh, I you definitely uh, got wine at your bris. Oh, yeah. I had some brandy then. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? I will tell you the story. That, that's the story I was going to tell you, I swear to God, it's not even funny. When I was 18 years old, uh, I was in Vancouver for the very first time. And the drinking age in Vancouver is 19 all right. Uh, it's 18 in different provinces of Canada, but in, in BC, it's uh, British Columbia. It's 19. So I was 18, and I was up there for the first time shooting a TV show, and I went out with the writer of the episode of the show to this insane, great sushi restaurant, and we ordered sake and beer, and that was the first time I ever got legitimately drunk. Awesome. I'd been buzzed on, you know, beer and what before, but, like, this time I was fucking hammered. <laughs> and... uh and so the restaurant was at the top level of a Holiday Inn. It was a sushi restaurant. The best sushi comes from Holiday Inn. Uh, if not, well, this guy, he's so famous. I believe his name is Tojo. I think it's Tojo Sushi, yeah. And uh, he's now in a much better location. I hope so. But also, but also in the basement of this Holiday Inn was a casino. So I get up there. I get wasted drunk on sake and beer. And then my buddy and I go down to the casino. And we start playing blackjack. And drunk as I am, they just let me buy in and play and everything. Of course, they and want he, your money. Yeah, and he—he's like, "All right, I'm exhausted. I got to get up for work tomorrow." Meanwhile, I didn't have uh, to work the, the next day, so I was like, ah, "I'm gonna stay a little longer." I stay there and I win like, like six hundred dollars Canadian. So and like then uh, five bucks. Yeah, right. Bucks. Uh, and so I'm feeling great about myself. And then uh, I'm about to like cash out, and they're like, uh, "Can we see some ID?" And I was like, oh, um, you know what? I think I left it in, uh, in my room. I'm staying across town. Sorry. I'll just, you know, I'll bring up tomorrow or whatever. It's not a big deal. And they were like, yeah, well, you're not cashing out until we see some ID. I was like, well, hang on. If I'd have lost, would you be asking me for ID? Right. And they were like, that's not what we said. I was like, that's what I'm saying. They, and they were like, you keep the chips." And, yeah, and they were like, all right, wait here. And I'm standing there and I'm waiting and then a security guard comes and he gets me. He's like, follow me. And he, hand, he grabs my chips from me and he takes me to this weird back room and then he sits me down and he leaves me in like this like interrogation room. He leaves me there for like 40 minutes. Holy and I'm sick. just sitting there and there's no cell service and I'm like a little panicked. And then he walks back and he's like, yeah, so what hotel are you staying at? And I tell him uh, and he's like, uh, okay. And then he leaves for another half hour. And then he comes back and he's like, I know you're lying. You're not uh nineteen. He's like, You're you're underage. And I was like, How do you how do you know this? And he was just like, Are you questioning me? Are you are you denying it? And I was like, buddy, I came in here, I gambled, I won. You owe me money. That's the end of it. If I'd have lost, you'd have kept my money. And he was like, You're in a lot of trouble, man. You're in a lot of trouble. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take I'm gonna keep these, meaning the rack of chips. He's like, I'm gonna keep these and you're going to get the hell out of here and never come back. Meanwhile, that had my initial buy-in of like 100 Canadian dollars in there. Right. And I was like, dude, at least give me my buy-in back. And he's like, don't talk back to me. I'm doing you a favor. Get the hell out of here. And I was like, boy, and here I heard all Canadians were super nice people. Thanks, thanks for letting me know there are assholes here. And, and so I left. Now, in fairness, I was underage, but, but again, still. I maintain... And I was also very drunk. I, I maintain, had I lost the hundred bucks, they would have never asked in for heart, ID. It's not like they would have been like, oh, you're underage, here's the money back. Yeah. There they would have been like,
0: they were taking the money to hell. You want a line of credit? Do you yeah, want to, right. Do you want to gamble some more? Yeah.
6: Now that's not a great drunk story and me being drunk really only adds to how belligerent I was because if I'd have been sober, I would've been like, "Oh, shit, I should probably get out of here. This could turn really bad. This could be like an incident. They could have me arrested. They could call the producers of the show I'm working on and have to have them bail me out." So that's the drunk aspect is I was too drunk to realize how quickly south that could have gone. I still feel like you handled it correctly. I th- thank you. I mean, I I feel like maybe in hindsight I didn't 'Cause I didn't wind up getting arrested, I feel okay about it. But uh, yeah, man, I'm a bad drinker.
0: <laughs> good to know. There it's you good go. to, as you said, it's good to know your strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Sam, I know you're on very limited time. Yeah. Thank you for doing the show. Where can our audience find you on social media?
6: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Sam Levine, S A M M L E V I N E. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank you.